In a world where people actually watch the stuff their friends recommend, this is I'll Look at Yours If You Look at Mine. Don't worry, I can cook. It doesn't matter if you can cook. Calcifer only obeys Master Howl. That's right, lady. I'm not taking any orders from you. <laughs> oh, there's my hat. That's better. All right, Calcifer. Let's get cooking. I don't cook! I'm a scary and powerful fire demon. How would you like a bucket of cold water in your face? Or maybe I should tell Howl about our bargain? Oh, stupid me. I never should have let her in here. So what'll it be? That's right. That's a good fire. Here's another curse. May all your bacon burn. Calcifer is doing what she says. I think I'd like some tea, too. Do you have a kettle? Sure. Hey, 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 what are you doing? Don't get the kettle. Whose side do you want anyway? Marco, Marco, what are you doing? Huh? Master Howl, the king's messengers were here. They said you have to report to the palace as both Pendragon and Jenkins. Calcifer, you're being so obedient. Not on purpose. She bullied me. Not just anybody can do that. And you are who? Uh, you can just call me Grandma Sophie. I'm your new cleaning lady. I just started work today. Give that to me. <laughs> Hand me two more slices of that bacon and six more of those eggs. <laughs> Listen to that sizzle. Who's hungry? Man, food always seems so good in these things. And not even Billy Crystal's curse can ruin the bacony goodness. Fun fact, Billy Crystal turns 137 years young this Halloween. And he's still in shape to box professionally. It's true. Last April, I was performing Up Close Magic uh, in Hollywood, you know, street magic all uh, David Blaine. And uh, I was thoroughly pummeled while trying to steal Billy Crystal's watch. Hell of a left hook. Greetings, lookers! Welcome to this edition of I'll Look at Yours If You Look at Mine, the podcast that's one part movie discussion, one part game show where we never know what we're watching next. I'll be your host, Ben Mitchell, and you can find me on Twitter and most social media with the handle at RedHenMedia1. Look for that red hen icon. And welcome to the third episode of Series 10. There will be five episodes in the series, and the series theme is Eastern Animation, for which we've all secretly submitted one movie. And we all guessed who submitted what movie in our Who Done It segment. And at the end of the series, the winner is awarded a Who Dundee trophy along with a bonus prize. This series prize is a $25 gift card and a fantasy sword pen, as seen here, which we have established is the only one of its kind in the entirety of the multiverse. We ask that you accept this dubious fact without any compunction, please. 
But that's not all, because you are the X Factor. Yes, there's also an audience choice selection somewhere in the mix. So please go on over to redpenmedia.com slash audience choice, submit your pick, and we may watch and discuss your movie on the show. Again, that is redhenmedia.com slash audience choice. Now today, we'll be discussing Howl's Moving Castle. And um, it is a, well, it came out in 2004 is when it came out. I happened to watch it when it premiered. It's a Japanese animation adventure family fantasy feature film currently streaming on HBO Max. And uh, we welcome you to this very special episode. We journey into the magical world inspired by Hao Miyazaki's furious anger about the Iraq war. Now, I wouldn't want to piss off Hao Miyazaki or anything, but it's hard to argue with the results here. War is way too far. Nobody wants that. But maybe, I don't know, if someone just serves him some lukewarm tea, do you think maybe we, it's possible we can squeeze out another masterpiece? Um, I'm kidding, of course. If anyone has earned the right to rest on their laurels, it's him. But if we did, you know it would involve, like, tea leaf magic. Just saying. Ghibli execs, are you listening? Speaking of listening, I am not alone in this magical realm mixed with 20th century technology wonderment. No, because there's some folks knocking on the Whorehaven door, and they're ready to get in on this very magical intro to the show. I'm here today with my distinguished co-hosts who have probably guessed... Oh, I forgot a bit here. I'm here today with my distinguished co-hosts who have probably guessed that I did not write a uh, joke for this part, so we'd better join their uh, magical enchantment ceremony already underway. What has it been? Two, three days, guys? You've been working hard on this? Oh, yeah, for sure. At least. <laughs> Safe me. <Yeah. laughs> hey, gang. Howdy. Hello. Hey, happening? Just continuing on with this magical intro. With us today, the provocative <laughs> one, <laughs> Mr. Devin Schwartz. <laughs> the game is on. Indeed. And my good friend, the incendiary James Pepe. It's me, James. And I have to say, I think this is the first. <laughs> I think this is the first movie I've ever seen with a manic pixie dream boy. Oh, I think first one you've I noticed. Probably is. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah, at least, yeah, maybe. Yeah. It's, yeah. Stirred, it's now you're not gonna, now that. you're going to see them everywhere. <laughs> Watch, <laughs> yeah, right. you won't be able to not see it now. <laughs> Speaking of manic pixie dream boys, we're also joined by the irrepressible <laughs> gentleman Jim Scott. Hey, Jim. Hey, and greetings, channel listeners and friends. Happy to be here. Happy to have you. Okay, guys. Let's start off by checking today's headlines. Extra, 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 read all about it. All right, let's start off by checking today's headlines, starting with Mr. Devin Schwartz. What did you find in the news today? Yeah, I got a short little one for you. This is just a, a column on page four, uh, not not uh, not front page news or anything, but it said uh, anti-war propaganda accidentally tells thrilling fantasy love story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Dead on. Exactly, sir. All right. James Pepe, did you find anything in the, interesting in the news today? 
I did. I found I found this. Uh, I, well, I feel like we're on a theme here, but I found this headline that said, um, "Wait, is is this movie about a war?" That was that was the headline. <laughs> yeah, the penny dropped. Yeah, right. <laughs> Somewhere in there. <laughs> so hard to connect. What are all these airships all right. about? But just tell me more about Howl and this girl. <laughs> and uh what did you find today jim scott yeah so i found an, an art an interesting article that talked about the inspirations behind this movie but what really piqued my interest was the headline which reads as follows one good acid trip doth a great story make <laughs> yeah seriously <laughs> yeah, I was talking about Miyazaki's tea earlier. Maybe they were putting something in there that <laughs> we don't know about. Hmm. Ayahuasca, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, right. indeed. All right. Buckle up. It's going to be a hell of a show. But uh, before we get into the actual conversation, we better give it some context uh, while we sip our ayahuasca tea. Um, we're going to do a little segment that I like to call the rundown. You started on that rundown yet? Oh, this is just something I'm taking a break with. Oh, right, we'll get back to the rundown uh, right now. Okay, great. Hey, you know what? Do you have a rundown that I could take a look at just so I know what type of rundown you're looking for? Just keep it simple. Keeping it simple, that's what yeah. I'm doing. But I am working hard on this one, real hard. You're so. working hard on this? No, not, not too hard, not harder than I should. Right. I mean, why work harder than you should? <laughs> No, I. Jim, from the office, just oh, our boss Charles Miner <laughs> just demanded a rundown and promise there's an order of business here. Jim from the office just handed the dossier to our very own James Pepe. So le let's see what Pepe has for us on Howl's Moving Castle. So Howl's Moving Castle, uh, like Ben said, is a 2004. Um, animation, action, adventure, uh, I guess, adventure family movie. Um, it's rated PG, got about a two-hour runtime. Uh, director Hayao Miyazaki, it's a Studio Ghibli movie. Uh, he was also the writer. Um, and it has some big names in it. Um, you all probably recognize Batman as Howl, Christian Bale himself. No, I didn't. Gene Where is Simmons. he? Yeah, right. Also has um, Gene Simmons. She played the voice of Old Sophie, Lauren Bacall. She was the Witch of the Waste. Um, Blythe Danner was the um, was Madame Suleiman, the the head the head witch, the king king witch. What, or would you mind saying what else everyone knows her from? If, if Blythe Danner, you, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll just say it. she's like the mom from Meet the Parents or whatever. The that's that's where I know her from. Anyway, that's one of the things. You know, no? I thought I recognized her, but then you're probably right. She's the mo I think she's the mom for, and I also think she's um, Gwyneth Paltrow's mom. I've heard. So write me an angry email if I'm wrong, y'all. <laughs> mother of the mother of Goop. Yes, the mother of Goop, Grandma Goop. And the <laughs> yeah, right. And uh, let's see, Emily Mortimer voiced um, young Sophie and Josh Hutchinson, Hutcherson, 
voice uh, Markle. What about Billy Crystal? Oh yeah, Billy Crystal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I forgot. Billy Crystal voice. Oh yeah, um, uh, He was in the in the opening clip. He was super funny. Hearing him get to do like like voice full. I don't even like calling it fully isn't quite right, but like being like blah blah blah. blah, blah, blah. It's super being, fun, being yeah. at an eleven. <laughs> Billy Crystal in eleven. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's it's good. It's good stuff. It worked in uh, Princess Bride. It worked here. Yeah. So the little. Um, the little synopsis of this film that's on IMDb says, when an unconfident young woman is cursed with an old body by a spiteful witch, her only chance of breaking the spell lies with a self-indulgent yet insecure young wizard and his companions in his legged walking castle. Uh, this movie was nominated for Best Animated Feature in the 2006 Academy Awards. And right now it sits at an 8.2 on IMDb, which is quite high for an IMDb score. And it has an 87% on the Toma Tatamata meter. That one? <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Of course. Yeah, big 87. And Nailed a 93 it. audience score. Um, those Excellent. Are pretty good, those are pretty respectable scores. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Why did you say... Tomato Tatamata? <laughs> I Why don't you say that that synopsis was pretty pretty well written for uh, such a complex uh, complex movie? Yeah, it's one sentence. <laughs> one but, one uh, beautifully this... run on sentence that just encapsulates <laughs> yeah, <right>. this film. <laughs> so this so this this audience score on Rotten Tomatoes is a ninety three percent with with over 25,000 ratings. Wow. Wow. And the and the 8.2 score on IMDb is almost 400,000 ratings. Pretty good statistical really, slice there. Really good. Yeah. Did it did it win any yeah, awards or just good. get nominated for the Academy Award and lose to like Wallace and fucking um, Gromit? It didn't win the it didn't win the Oscar. I can't imagine what it might have lost to. Maybe at like a Toy Story. Did, was there like a I know Pixar Wallace and Gromit was up that year. That's why I said Wallace and fucking Gromit. Yeah, I, I don't know if they they won, but they're up against a few other ones, of course. They're not. They weren't going to give it to the same studio two years in a row, but it probably out of the movies I saw on the list, I think it probably deserved it more than the other ones. Considering, I want to ring it up. I'm going to ring it up anyway. Shall I ring it up? Sure. It was nominated yeah. for an Oscar. That's worthy. Oh, you know what? It did lose to Wallace and Gromit. The other, the other one that was nominated was Corpse Bride. Mm. Uh, Corpse Bride was good too, but not as good yeah. as uh, as uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. I think. Um, yeah, that's a tough call. That is a tough call. But cheese and crackers. I, I can't believe I... Wallace and Gromit <laughs> beat it out. Yeah, I don't know that I've seen Wallace and Gromit: The Curse of the Were Rabbit. Um, I I have That's a hard the time one believing won, it's huh? better. It's better than this, but I mean, maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It'll come up later on the Go show, uh, some other show down the road. I'm sure when we do like yeah. claymation week or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> all right. So with all that, with all that, uh, with all that being said, it's time for the recreation rundown. Woo! Don't you mean? 
rundown recreation. I'm sorry, rundown recreation. Jesus, you're 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 rubbing off on me, Ben. Jeez, <laughs> stop following my lead. Here's your here's your sound drop. Yeah, yeah. All right. So this week's edition of Rundown Recreation is going to be Howl's Moving Trivia. <laughs> And so the way this is going to work is imagine, imagine if you will, a box in your mind divided into four equal sections. And each of those four equal sections is going to have one answer in it. The top left box is going to be A. The top uh, right box is going to be B. Bottom left box is going to be C. Bottom right box is going to be D. That's the order that I'm going to read those, the answers in. But since this is Howl's Moving Trivia, Calcifer is moving the letters around. So each question, the letters will uh, rotate clockwise. So in the second question, the boxes, instead of being A, B, C, D, will be C, A, D, B, and they will keep rotating as the questions go along. This, so also, one, I... this also counts as an IQ test for the listeners. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so when so when you give your answer, you need to give the letter associated with your answer, and not the words of the answer, or else you will you will not get credit. Okay. So, are you ready, contestants? Yes, teacher. I will never be ready, <laughs> but let's do it anyway. <laughs> I'm hoping okay. to pick it up along the way. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, first question. Question the first. Upon seeing this other 2001 Ghibli film, Christian Bale immediately agreed to play any role in Howl's Moving Castle, although he did not expect to get the lead. Was the film he saw A, My Neighbor Totoro, B, Whisper of the Heart, C, Spirited Away, or D, Princess Mononoke? These, for this question, okay. the letters are all in the right order. So, go so I'm ahead. dinging in that yeah. I have my answer. Oh, okay. Yeah, go ahead, Ben. Oh, okay. I I thought we were revealing you the lower third. You have your answer. Sorry. Yes, we will Correct. reveal them it's all. Correct. It's like once. that's that's the lock-in. You guys ding in when yeah, you get yeah. your okay. answer. It'll be cool. Yeah. There we go. There it is. <laughs> Jim's Jim's thinking hard about this one. He's in the think tank. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm ready. Uh, I, I'm okay. staring at at my answer. Okay, go ahead, and, go ahead and reveal your, your answers. All right. Yay. I answered C. This is Ben. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Everyone answered C. Everyone has the correct answer. Spirit away. Wait a minute. I got a All point. Right. Yeah. Wow. Good job. Woo! All right. So, Calcifer has... Okay, hide our, the lower thirds. Our, our, uh, our, our answer, our answer letters, and has rotated them one shift to the, to in the clockwise direction. And so here is our second question. Hayao Miyazaki and Lauren Bacall, the voice actor of the Witch of the Waste, and Hayao Miyazaki is the director and writer, um, were both longtime fans of each other's work. They met at a screening in New York where Lauren jokingly asked Miyazaki, what question? Are you married? Are you single? 
Are you ready to mingle? Would you draw me like one of your strong female protagonists? I'm gonna answer the one I want it to be. <laughs> yeah, right. So, all right, dig in. Do you guys have your? Okay, we have one ding in. Devin's ready. Jim is ready. Okay, everyone's ready. Reveal your answer. Okay, so Ben has A, which was which corresponded this time to Are you single? Uh, Devin has C, which corresponds to Are you married? And and uh, Jim also has A, which is Are you single? The correct answer was C. Are you married? Excellent. <laughs> Can I just say that I thought what I was answering was not the one you? <laughs> I thought it was the one. I thought it was the one that was supposed to be D or something. Anyway. All right, proceed. I got this. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. On to question all three. Right. Calcifer has has yep. has rotated our answers one more time. This film is based mm. on what? I do lower third. The same dead. name. So this film is based on what with the same name? An earlier movie, a manga series, a novel. For a telenovela. All right, Devin's ready. Ben is ready. Jim, Jimmy's ready. Okay, go ahead, reveal. <laughs> I'm just curious if what I think I'm answering is the the answer that okay, so ben, at this point. So ben, <laughs> ben has answered. <laughs> Ben has answered A, a telenovela. <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> I knew the answer. I was just, I knew, I just was taking a shot that I would get the right one. All right. Devin, Devin and Jim C. both have answered B, which is a a novel, which is correct. All right. Good job, guys. Yay. Good job, you guys. That is what I tried Thank to you. answer. <laughs> Can, can I can I say now that I thought I was putting in another answer? <laughs> since, since the show Excellent. has started, I have been I've been going through the order of the letters in my head like nonstop, like over and over oh, and over. Geez. That's why I've run. Devin's unfocused. put the legwork in. Oh man! I didn't make a cheat sheet. Really, really I was told not to. I just studied. Good job, you're, Devin. You're, you're hurting the curve, bro. Now you're good. <laughs> Get okay. It. All right. Uh, so Calcifer has has shifted our our answers once more, and our question is: Sophie's city was modeled after the city of uh, Colmar in this European city. Is it Moscow, Portland, Oregon, France, or Estonia? All right, Jim's in, Ben is in, Devin is in. All right, reveal your answers. All right, Ben has B for Moscow. <laughs> Indeed, a European city. <laughs> Duh, I didn't get Oh, this is <laughs> Uh, Devin has A for France, and Jim has D 
or Portland, Oregon, another well-known European city. So, Devin, another point. Thank you. France, I, yes. I, I meant to put France, but I didn't know where the castle moved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Calcifer got me on that one again. So, question five. Calcifer has twisted our answers once more. Uh, here we go. In the novel, the black door actually goes to Hal's homeland, a homeland which he shares with his voice actor. Is this homeland Boggy Bottom, Wales, Scratchy Bottom, or Pratt's Bottom? All right, Jim. Jim is ready. Devin is ready. Ben has made a guess. <laughs> All right. Let's reveal. Let's reveal our answer. All right. So, <laughs> Ben has chosen C, scratchy bottom. <laughs> Devin has chosen B, whales. And Jim has chosen D, Pratt's bottom. So the correct answer is B, Wales. That is where that is where Christian Bale is from. All of those other cities, though, Boggy Bottom, Scratchy Bottom, and Pratt's Bottom are real cities in England. Nice. Oh wow. Nice. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So I do have one thing done. to say. No God! <laughs> no God, please, no! 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 <laughs> Okay, so here here is our last question. This is our bonus question, and it is worth five points. So if Devin gets this wrong, and one of you guys gets this right, you will be tied. However, all oh right, no! Calcifer has, is all fired up and has moved the answers ahead three rotations. That means nothing so, to me. <laughs> here is the question. What is the name of Suleiman's dog? Is it Heen, Ween, Bean, or Keen? Oh, Ben, Ben and Devin in. What I was going to say before real quick when Jim gets his answer is there's also a town called Devonshire, which is a whole town full of Devons, except they're all small and common. Oh, okay, I've been to Jim Devonshire. All right, let us let us reveal our answers. <laughs> you got a one in four shot, then. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I just haven't hit it yet. Maybe on this turn. No. Okay. By okay. your look, the look on your face, <laughs> I can tell that's not true. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so Devin, or I'm sorry. So Ben has revealed the answer of A, which so which <laughs> which means he thinks the answer is Bean. That is the wrong answer. <laughs> I do think that that uh, is what I think. Yeah, yes. <laughs> so uh, I win. I did it. Devin, Devin and Jim have both revealed their answer as B, which is correct. Heen. 100%. Yeah. Wow. Jim, did you track that or did you guess? I got to know. No, I tracked it when he said it moves three spaces. I pictured it in my mind and then I repeated. And then when he said, the answers, I was like, I think it's this answer, and then I retracted to make sure I was right. 
Yeah, because yeah. in, in okay. question in question five, the letters were back in their original yeah. position. Yeah. Right. Right. Oh, I thought that's yeah. what you were yeah, doing I with question bo- six. Bo- yeah, I got boiled by the France question, so I was like, and I knew the answer. All right, thought it, you know, yeah. it was France, so I was like, I better come correct on this one. All right. Well, I think Calcifer is done screwing with our trivia's for tonight. So that was uh, that was rundown recreation. Hell's moving trivia. Nice, excellent job. That, Devin, Devin, that was a lot Devin of fun. One, I think. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Devin, Devin won Candily. by a landslide. Yeah. yeah. Well done, Devin. Yeah. See, the the Whatever. difference is is that you guys have minds that can picture <laughs> things. <laughs> Do you guys want a, a mid series? Uh, Score update with the run and recreation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, so no. <laughs> I'm in first place, clearly, <laughs> of course, uh, with 15 points currently. Nice. Uh, Pepe nice. is in second with nine. Jim, you have pulled oh. up to third with eight, only one point trailing. Whoa, no. With that five bonus you just got, yeah. And then Ben is in fourth place with oh, two. Okay. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so you're saying there's a chance. I better get on it. Yeah. All right, you guys. Well, thanks for playing that game with me. That was that was fun. I enjoyed it. Yeah, that was great. That was great. That was a lot of fun, despite my inability to track what the hell was going on. Um, okay, so <laughs> that was by design. That was by design. Why don't we find out who done it? We've reached the segment where we guess and reveal who is responsible for this week's submission. Winner with the most correct guesses at the end of the series will win a Who Dundee Award. Our current suspects include Devin, James Pepe, and Audience Choice. So, uh, Jim, as our reigning champ, you get to guess first, my friend. Man, the field is narrowing. The field is narrowing, but this is such a hard thing to guess because all three of you, I I mean, it's good that Ben's out of the running for this one. All three of you have talked extensively about how much you, you love Ghibli movies. So I feel like you guys are so close. It's incestuous who it could be, right? Because it could be any of you. Could be any (laughs) of you. And I've gone back and forth between uh, you, Pepe, and you, Devin. And I was trying to gauge, like, your nonverbals during this one. And there were tells for both of you. And only one of you could be the one. So I'm just going to stick to my original course and vote for you, Pepe. You submitted this movie. All right. Okay. Um... I am just going to go with my gut on this one and say that it's you, Devin. You, uh, I know this is one of, you also like Ghibli movies, and this is one of your favorites, so I think it might be you this time. Um, but clearly I'm wrong. Tell me who really done it, Mr. Devin Schwartz. Uh, yeah, this continues to be, I feel like this whole season, it's so hard to tell what, uh, this whole series, it's also hard to tell which one is the audience choice, because is it going to be, you know, one of the most popular ones that everyone talks about, like House Moving Castle, 
or is it going to be one of the like deep cuts that people don't really talk about that you know someone out there wants us to look at and then see um but i i think most of our audience picks so far have been the latter there they've been more you know oddball choices uh, or at least you know things we might not have picked naturally so i'm gonna go with pepe for this one because i think it is very likely and he was very enthusiastic about the rundown i think that's a, a sign so not audience choice you think it's pepe yeah i think it's pepe okay what was pepe. What, were, what were the other audience picks that we had we had we had equilibrium good yeah, question, had another good one question. Uh, yeah and never ending story which We've isn't a, necessarily oh, odd, but story. it's certainly a deep cut i would say but personally for me at least it was a deep cut well for people of a certain age it's not a deep cut yeah that's true. yeah yeah so pepe okay. devin's right. pointing the finger in your direction where are you pointing the finger Dude, I'm getting I'm getting double fingered here, guys. Yeah, you are. It's Devin. two. Are you gonna Are you gonna vote for yourself and no, make some other? I won't vote for myself. Well, imagine um, the crude joke you could make if you did. Oh, that's true. <laughs> Triple finger. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's what That's what they show up for here, Ben. My dirty jokes. That's why I'll allow it this one time. That's right. That's right. Uh so I've been hemming and hawing over this between Devin and audience choice. The reason why I think this might be Devin is because despite it being very long and despite it not having like a um I don't know how you call it, like like real solid storyline like a real sort of like firm thing a then thing b then thing you know like a real like oh yeah that's not how miyazaki writes plot beats you know yeah yeah yeah. he he just Um, writes uh from one end to the other it's very unusual it might be devon just because i think he might have a little crush on hal i think that may that might who doesn't that's true. He's a moving he's castle. Very, he's he's baby. very he's very crushable. He's very crushable. Um, <laughs> but yeah, especially if he's standing on the moving castle. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Careful, Hal. Um, so no one's so uh, as far as I remember, no one's guessed audience choice. So I'm going to hedge my bet and guess audience choice. But I think wow, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this is Devon's. I wouldn't be surprised. Old move. Old move, Cotton. See how that works yeah. out. Okay. We'll so, see. I mean, it's, uh, it's taking a shot here. Spotlight's still on you because you still have two guesses, I believe. So, yeah. Yeah. So, James Pepe, after all that hemming and hawing, was it you? It was not me. No. Okay. <laughs> um, gotcha. Since we can't ask the audience, Spotlight is now on Devin. Did you done yeah. it or did you non done it? I think non done it's the correct turn That's of phrase. Right, yeah. It was me. Ah, shit. <laughs> that <laughs> is correct. Was I right? Do you have a big? Do you have a big crush on? Who doesn't have a big crush on? <laughs> Come on yeah, I dude. I I have a big crush on Hal, dude. Oh man. <laughs> I don't even watch that much anime Shit. <laughs> congratulations oh, uh, ben yeah oh man yeah my i did i just take the lead i i did i believe did so it, yes you agree yeah, all right yes right so i don't yeah screw your trivia guys 
<laughs> get the points where they count. What am I going to worry about? <laughs> Excellent. All right. All right. Cool. Well, that was a fun little round of who done it. Um, now that we know who done it, <laughs> it's time to ask Devin why done it. Hey, Devin. I know it was a probably a tough decision to come up with Hal's Moving Castle for you. Uh, what, what's what's your <laughs> yeah, deal with this man? Right. Come on, bro. Explain yourself. So I, I do want to say one more thing about about Hal. I think most people would find him uh, easy to have a crush on just because like his voice is basically Christian Bale doing like ASMR. Like he's doing this like really like Christian Bale already has like that deep gravelly thing. And then he's doing like an even deeper gravelier voice for Hal. It's like, yeah, who wouldn't be into that? Um, uh, but this was an easy pick for me just because uh, this is easily my number two Ghibli film. Uh, I don't think it's ever quite supplanted Spirited Away as my favorite, but it has always been like right there in the number two spot. Uh, it's it's definitely more of, I don't know how, how to describe it. It's it's a little more challenging for me as a, as a movie because it is like, like Pepe said, it is a little more circuitous with its plot. It is not as straightforward as... Uh, spirited away and it doesn't quite do the same things that i love about spirited away uh namely the like sort of child being whisked away into a magical world it's a little different feel to it uh this whole world feels a little more magical uh so it's less of that being ripped away from the mundane um but nonetheless uh it has always been this just like fascinating weird movie and uh it's depiction of magic is really cool that always gets me in, in various media but uh yeah, I don't know. There's something unplaceable about it. I'm I'm very curious to hear about you, uh, Pepe, and Ben's viewing experience, like the first time you saw it and how, what you thought originally. And and Jim, of course, I'm very excited to see what he thought because I think this movie is a bit more of an acquired taste. And I'm curious to to see what a first time viewer thinks of it. Yeah. So who's seen it? I I saw it in the theater when it came out with my roommates in college in the first year of art school. So we went down to the San Francisco theater, the Kabuki Theater. Uh, in Japantown, nice. and so it was like a big deal there, and it was a nice. it was a really fun night that I'll probably always remember. And we we all loved it. It's been a it was an instant classic for me. And uh, but I yeah I do admit uh, that with this movie, um, that I probably have it, it's okay. So yeah, the script is is probably. They don't connect all the dots, maybe, but I, I feel like with this one, it's almost like uh like a classic song that you love, you know, where like you just get beyond objectivity with the thing, and um, there's just no judgment left in me about this movie. I just toss it on, and it's that classic song I love, and I'll just probably watch it again and again on and on until Rapture, right? But uh, Pepe, you've had yeah. you've seen this, right? Yeah, this is um this is I think it's definitely at least my third time seeing it. It may be my fourth. I don't remember. Um but um the first time I watched this, probably the first two times I watched. So the first time I watched this, I think I fell asleep, but I think that I was still um for a while I was sick. That and I would I was sick and I would I would fall asleep really easily, so I might have that it might have been when I was still sick, um, but the second time I watched it, um, 
I wasn't that in, like the the sort of meanderingness of it and the sort of like <clears throat> how it sort of takes its time. I mean, there are some like actiony parts in it, but it's it does sort of take its time. It's sort of sort of a um, sort of meandering, um, and it just like it's. I mean, it's beautiful to look at, but it doesn't it doesn't sort of pull you along. It doesn't. It has no sort of like impelling force, right? Um, yes. But this time, uh, this time watching it, I really, really liked it. Um, kind of because I knew what I was in for. Um, I had seen it's like it me with November. No, yeah, yeah. I, I, I knew what I was in for. I'd seen it enough times to be familiar with what was going to happen, and so I could really just like take. I could really just like let the movie uh, do do what it wanted with me. And just enjoy it. Yeah. So I, I really, really like yeah. this, this time. You know what I got out of it this time, Pepe, related to what you're saying is that I, I think all that connective story tissue really is there. They really just don't spoon feed it to you. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it I might mean, take a few a, viewings a to through. see. It, there definitely is. Um, yeah. But it's just. And maybe that's kind of the brilliance of it, too, is that it doesn't feel like there is. And that's the illusion, because there really is those connectivity stories. Because I was kind of doing that this time when I watched it. But I'm getting ahead of myself. I do want to know, uh, oh, unless you were, had something else to add real quick uh, or, or wrap I, I up. To say, uh, I want to know, uh, Jim. Yeah, 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 yeah. Go ahead. I just wanted to say one thing in response to Pepe. And I don't blame anyone for falling asleep during this movie just because the like main theme throughout the movie, the theme song is literally a lullaby like it, it is it follows the exact <laughs> like melody of a lullaby do, do, so it's do, like it, do, do, do. yeah yeah it's also a yeah, fair enough movie especially when true. you don't have yeah. that sort of like plot pulling you along at all points so. there's definitely moments where i like pause it and i was like there's still an hour more <laughs> how is I there know, still an yeah. hour left that's incredible a lot of things in this movie also happen off screen and so that's part of it too. But anyway, we're start, we're starting to talk about this movie. But I'm interested about what Jim had to say too. Has to say. Yeah, Jim, well, had you I seen was it? Interested in that? No, I had not. Uh, so I was a virgin to this movie. But one okay. thing I heard Pepe say is, I let the movie do what it wanted with me. Oh yeah. So you let it. So you let it <laughs> to finger you, maybe. How oh, did yeah, we? Definitely. How did we let that opportunity pass us up? Well done, Jim. Yeah, Dude. I just waited. Nice. Well done. That's what you that kind of bird is do. best served cold. <laughs> just have its way with you, man. So what I thought about cold the bird. movie. What am I talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, cold burn. Hot burn, maybe. I, don't I guess know. you can't get it, a cold depends burn. Depends on you know Never how mind. much lubricant. That's right. All these things matter. <laughs> Don't forget to read the directions um, twice so you don't hurt yourself. <laughs> Consenting adults only. Um, what I what I thought about the movie, um, I'm used to like kind of a barely jumbled structure. I mean, some of the fantasy movies from the 80s, you, you, you know, yeah, introduce totally hero, Good call. introduce quest, and kind of like Lord of the Rings it's in the journey, right? And they have all these encounters that are just kind of jumbled up. I mean, if you watch Kroll, if you watch Deathstalker, even if you watch Conan, right? I mean, there's quests within the quests, right? I always so, have to mention Beastmaster. Style, 
and Beastmaster. <laughs> How could I forget that movie? It's so iconic. And I watched it so many times when I was little. So many times. So anyways, but we're talking about Howl's Moving Castle. I was really pulled in. The Whoa, uh, cool. opening the opening scenes where they show the clouds and the blue sky and the very simple drawings of the sheep herder with the sheep and then you know you see that and then you see the first glimpse of the moving castle and it's this mechanical monstrosity you know moving and sifting through the clouds like i love that when they showed the village it was very like uh, rustic old world. I definitely thought European. The pastel colors, you know, one building being different color than the next. Definitely this European. Gorgeous. Yeah, the movie is gorgeous, and that immediately pulled me in. And then we, you know, we get to the main uh, protagonist, uh, Sophie, and she's making hats. And then I was like, oh shit. We're gonna watch another love story, <laughs> and it was a love story. Whisper the heart too. Tricked, yeah, no, but they tricked me because they introduced all of these other interesting characters. She gets whisked away by how you know, and they airwalk. I was also thinking D and D when I seen that. I was like, oh, that's an airwalk spell. Oh, that's yeah. I love when you spell, can do that. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's always fun. Yeah. They did it quick yeah, too. But, you know, they didn't mess around. They got yeah, was, they got to the getting at least with the like you know um, inciting incident, right? Yeah, ab ab absolutely. So all these incidents, all these interesting characters from the Scarecrow. You know, at first I was like, "What the hell?" You know, does he have to do until you see kind of the recurring themes that kind of surround some of these characters. The, uh, the fire sprite, I think I named him the fire sprite. Um, yeah, and, and it was the, the boy that was the apprentice. These characters were really endearing. I very much enjoyed <laughs> yes, the movie. Yes, they are. And by the time I found out it was a love story, right? But it Too was late. mixed in with all of these other pieces of the recipe. And because there was a lot of witches that they Jim. threw in the... <laughs> Aldrin, are you saying oil and bubble? Are you saying you're the movie watching equivalent of a toddler who's learned to <laughs> eat his bees? <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's literally he's literally the guy that Columbo is reading the book to in Princess Bride. Oh, I like that. That's a much better that analogy. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. That's that's wonderful. I love I, it. I, I love that you love this. Except too. in my childhood. I, I would be reading the book myself, but uh, yes, I, I yes, certainly. Um, yeah, I believe. Yeah, it. no, I love I loved this anime, you, you know, and I I think it was this anime. It wasn't Spirited Away. It wasn't the one we watched last last week. This was a movie that like, oh, I get it now. Why cool. Studio Ghibli is so great. Yeah, cool. Ah, I couldn't good. be more. We've pleased done it. I'm right. so excited. All right, let's show's over. I can't, we're not gonna. We did it. We did it, boys. We wow. did it. Yeah, the whole the whole series, the whole show has been about tricking Jim into liking Studio Ghibli. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, highlights, Jim. What stood out? Okay, Devin, you've got something, but I want to hear what stood out yeah. for everyone. I just wanted to use something that Jim said as sort of jumping off point about uh, sure, how sure. 
how Studio Ghibli and how specifically how Miyazaki uh, tells love stories and how I feel like they are like so much more watchable and enjoyable to me, at least than like Western romance stories, because yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It, it, there's an air of believability to it. And they're they while very like dramatic, it is they there's never like these big confessions of love in the rain. You know, it's like it's it's not that overly sweet, overly emotional sort of love except for in the moments where it needs to be when like the plot is dire and someone like in this movie the the like admission of love happens when like howl is like a demon and is like dying and she's like you can't die i love you and it's like yeah that seems like a reasonable thing to say on someone's deathbed it's not like uh you know the the main characters slowly fall in love and by the end they kiss and everything's happy it's it's a little more i don't, I don't know it's a little more realistic it's a little more I, I don't know how to describe it. It's just it feels different than a Western romance in like in just the right way to make it. Well, much they're more not, to me. you know, they're not cudgeling you with it, you know, J- yeah. Jim. Jim had a, a, a way of putting it that I really like, though, like, you know, it's like mixing in the peas with the with the mashed potatoes for a little kid or something, you know? <laughs> yeah. And just like Whisper of the Heart, I think that the fact that these two characters are not completely reliant on each other, particularly that. She is not like reliant on Howl is a really nice thing that you don't see in a lot of Western romance where it's like, yeah, these two people have like lives and interests. And it's not just about how they yes. love each other and nothing else. We know who they are as characters and, and what they like uh, separate of each other. It's almost yeah, like they took I, um, what was I, working with Whisper of the Heart and mixed in these other fantastical elements and really came up with a, a really great balance there. Yeah, I definitely agree with you, Devin, that at least judging from these two anime, the way they do romance is very much different from uh, Western romance. Western romance feels to me very much a cliche. Yeah. They move it by beats. There's like this uh, syrupy, you know, sugar that they put on top. I think it's over-romanticized, which may be why I'm not drawn to those movies. And honestly, from having watched this movie and heard your explanation of how Japanese, or at least these two movies are different in the way they convey a love story, I may may have been unfair last week because I did have that Western ideal of romance. I and I injected that part when I was watching, you, you know, um, the anime last week, you know, and part of my grade was because of that. So, so you're saying we should make uh, Whisper the Heart a perfect day? Everyone agree? Perfect day? All right. I'll choose right now. All right. Let's have two <laughs> perfect days in a row. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Jim, um, I, 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 what you said about like romance, like Western romance thing, it, it is the most structured and followed uh, structure out there as far as movie storytelling. You do not, you stray from that formula here and you've just broken the movie. Like they all hit the same beats. I don't think I've ever seen a Western romantic comedy or romantic drama that doesn't hit those those absolute structure beats and it is yes. it can work just fine the 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 what they go into it doing is trying to just make you know things other things unique about it rather than those beats you know like who the characters are what they do how the things happen that's why like having an original meet cute is important right 
Um, and so that's where they try to like get uh, some kind of variety, but it but it doesn't always work. I seeing that structure still pulls me out of it, and it can feel saccharine, sweet, and just like you know eye rolling. Yeah, some guy named Billy Shakes wrote a story about teenagers committing suicide a million years ago, and now every love story has to be the same in the West for some reason. <laughs> I want, have you read the book that this is based on? I have uh, not, but I, I actually, I realizing that that was in the, I didn't even realize it was based on a book until this viewing, and uh, it made me oh, want to wow. pick it up and check it out. I hear it's yeah, quite different. I think, um, no, do you? Have you? I read, I, well, okay, I read an article pre the movie coming out that the author expected it to be quite different and that how, and I know how Miyazaki writes it. So I was extrapolating from that, but I did read a comment from the author that she expected it to be different. However, oh. it may have been an old article. What, what were your thoughts on it? Oh, I, I know nothing about the book. Um, oh, okay. But, I thought um, you were going in another yeah, direction. So, yeah, I have no, that's what I, Amazon. I'm going to buy it. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. It's going to be good. Well, I wonder, There's no doubt I mean, in my mind that it'll be I, good. The reason I asked was just because, I, yeah, I do wonder how different it is from the book. I don't know how it's different. But, yeah. I, but the whole reason why Miyazaki did it, I have to believe that he, and he does this with other stuff that he adapts, it's just very loose, his adaptations yeah. tend to be. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't but, be yeah. surprised if it was like a if it was a shining situation. Well, whoever reads it yeah. first, and hopefully, maybe even during this, it would be better if we did it during this series. We can kind of do an update under show business, and just kind of revisit that idea, see how it, yeah, how it's yeah, different. Because cool. I'm curious too. Or an audience um, member can email us. Do the work for us. Is. Is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so we're you're going to talk about highlights. I have a highlight. Yeah, yeah. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Start us off. Is your um, your movie? Start us yeah. off. What did I you think, love about I this? I think uh, Ghibli films, I think, can be judged by the strength of their side characters. They're like helpful uh, side yes. characters. And yeah, right. so in uh, uh, Spirited Away, of course, you have kind of no face at the beginning, but then he's also sort of the villain. Uh, I would I would count the one in Spirited Away to be the lamppost. Absolute like number one goat uh, helpful side character, oh. the little j- jumping lamppost. Um, in, Scarecrow, uh, the turnip. That's, no, that's turnip head. That's wrong. Yes, yeah. turnip head. Obviously, no. in, in, in Halloween Castle, it's turnip. It's radish. Oh, that's the radish spirit. Yeah, that's he's also quite good. Uh, and Whisper of the me. Heart, I guess, would be the cat. Uh, the cat who leads her to the antique shop <laughs> oh, yeah. is the closest thing we have to like a magical sidekick. Uh, yeah, right. That, that is that um, is. It's kind of a ma- low key magical moment, you know. And then of course, of course, cat cat bus in My Neighbor Totoro, which I hope yeah, we still get to talk about bus. this season. Hope that comes up, but we'll see. Um, I would love that. Anyway, I would love any other Ghibli movies. Yeah, so in this one, Turnip Head, absolute uh, goat, absolute best yeah. side character yep. in this movie. And uh, he was the most the consequential one. Yeah, and the fact that he's if like you a look at, it, at the end was so ridiculous. It's like so unnecessary. Yeah. It's like I am it was also a beautiful on. boy. It's like oh, okay, sure, yeah. man. Well, yeah. It's it's wild. How much, <laughs> We're gonna kick like, this thing up um, to an eleven. <laughs> yeah. It's wild how much how much emotion they managed to wring out of that scene where his like stick is breaking when he's trying to stop them skidding down the mountain. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, like, oh, that was such good again. animation. You watch this thing whittle down as it comes careening down the thing. Yeah, and he's the one who got her into the castle. I mean, uh, yeah. you know, he really was a consequential character. 
but um, he wasn't always, he was just kind of, he really was kind of a tertiary character at the same time, though. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's just great lines. Marco, I would say that Marco had less effect on the plot than the turnip head directly. Oh, Marco? Yeah, Marco. He's just like exposition. He's such a funny, funny, I love him. Yeah, he's he's one of my favorite characters. Bushy beard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this does almost feel like a, a almost like a backdoor like Wizard of Oz. Like if if Ghibli did Wizard of Oz, this feels like it, it's what it would be, just because of like this sort of cast of side characters that help this like main girl, and it's like kind of about her discovering something about herself, and they're sort of just there to help. It's like Even Wizard like- of Oz if if Dorothy fell in love with Tin Man or something, or I guess it wouldn't be Tin Man. I guess the wizard. I guess if Dorothy fell in love with the wizard, it would be that this is what wizard must be. <laughs> Your analogy is falling apart. No, I, I agree with you that it, no, there's a lot of elements there, though. I mean, it's not a direct translation, obviously, but even like going in front of the big, powerful, like um, uh, Solomon. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, Madam Solomon was a, was a very Wizard of Oz moment, wasn't it? Um, and um, oh, God, can I, I? I really love how the magic works in this, and and I really. I know we haven't been getting clips because we kept getting hit with, you know, uh, copyright infringement notices. So we've been like easing off of that. But it was really tough not to include them because there's so many good moments in this. But that that Absolutely. that whole sequence where she goes in front of Solomon, so much is going on there. Like, you know, who is how? Why is he there? What? Who knows what in this scene? You know, like. The, no one's letting no one's putting their cards down everyone knows more than everyone's letting on it's almost like that movie maverick if you guys ever saw that with mel gibson um did you, did any of you see that movie it was always it was just like yeah. who could who a could out who could out yeah yeah i happened to catch a, a scene of it uh, recently it was playing on on tv i was like oh yeah i remember this was a thing but they but what got me about it was that they were all like trying to just outdo each other on and you never knew who knew who was in on what scheme you know so a lot of that, and then just the magic itself. It was amazing. Her like, oh, now you're in this like whole world illusion. The way that water came and the and the perspective on the camera like shifted. It was so cool and how they got out of it. And he's like, all these a lot of spells happened in a, in, in a quick short order there, right? And then once he broke out, the yeah. way they split off, he gave her invisibility, and the fact that she's just like you know has to pilot this thing, never having done it, the ring. And then they split off the way that split off was done to keep chasing Hal so she could get away. So beautiful. And then the crash yeah. landing. What a great sequence, right? That's not even the one I had written down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll start there. What a sequence. But all the magic. Like when he takes the when he takes the burnt mark off of the table. Ah, I love that. Oh yeah. For oh yeah, the mark's they, gone, he... but the magic the spell's still there, right? When he shifts the castle and makes it Sophie's house in the village, uh, that like whole scene where it's all That's moving so and great. shifting, and the moment where like the wallpaper bubbles and then pops and it's a door, like it's so cool. Oh my god! Yeah, Wallace um, and fucking Gromit. Are... Come on, <laughs> I know, those, right? Those moments are all cool, but I think one of the first spells when the witch of the waste makes uh, Sophie an old woman. Or, yes, and it was really weird because she, she did that be, just because, right? Yep. And then Spite. later on, jealousy, whatever. When Sophie, yeah, when Sophie sees the Witch of the Way, ways, she's immediately compassionate towards her. And I was that's such a blown. wonderful. I was, 
Me too. thrown from them. Like, why are you being compassionate to this woman? This woman is, has done this thing to you. And I was almost like, is there a scene that I missed? What is going on? It's just Sophie, um, but it's such a wonderful well, evolution of their interactions with each other from the beginning of the movie to the end. It's also one of the classic uh, Ghibli movies, which Absolutely. is like turning the bad guy into a friend, right? So yeah. in this movie, they do it with um, the Witch of the Waste and the dog. And in Spirited Away, they do it. Um, the dog Bean? Yeah, Bean. Yeah, yeah. 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 from from Moscow. <laughs> from from Moscow, yeah. Moscow. Yes, that's right. As is yeah. my understanding. Portland. Yeah, oh, yeah, Portland, Oregon, yeah. Uh, yeah, and in Spirited Away, they do it with uh, they do it with no face. Um, and yes, kind of the witch right. too. The, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and they kind of do uh, it with the main character dragon, in in dragon Whisper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, Sorry, yeah, I was talking over no you. Stays, but, yeah, yeah no Whisper of the Heart, the, the main movie. love interest. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so that's I, mean, I that's hadn't classic. noticed that you, before, you but never, that is classic. That is a part of never ever see that in. A West, like hardly ever, yeah. right? Maybe, maybe yeah, by that's... like the end of the movie, they the the like protagonist and the antagonist they do friends, they do have the, a function. And then the sequel, right, will be the the team up. It's, it's more rare in Western yeah. movies. Yeah, it's called yeah, a shapeshifter function. Through me, uh, yeah. you change from one archetype to another. It's a function called shapeshifting. Um, so I mean, it exists, but the the way that they have it a part of of each movie i hadn't i don't know why i didn't notice that but yeah that's that's absolutely correct less done here because it has to it's hard because it's harder harder to do it's not easy it's not easy for the writer to do it well so you know right why why stretch and do that extra thing you know but maybe they also i also think this movie has a lot to say about old age and like what that means and i think that's also kind of part of it is that sophie like a real person who oh, is yeah. aged has like less time for grudges you know it's just like not interested in hating oh, people. oh i didn't you even know? think it's of like, that yeah i don't yeah. think yeah. about i don't yeah. like yeah you're just another old lady who needs help i'm just gonna she really does yeah yeah she really does see from that perspective it's not just an illusion it's it's weird how that spell works but might i just say about what the twist on that i think in the American side what we see more often is the good guy becoming the bad guy we see that shape shifting happening over here where the hench yeah. where the where the yeah. sidekick becomes the henchman or, or whatnot, you know, or whoever, the old mentor yeah. or what have you. We see that all the time here. And to the point where it's like it's kind of you groan and roll your eyes these days if they do it almost, you know. Well, no one I mean, no one make it hardly anyone making a movie has like two ideas to rub together, you know. <laughs> yeah, I shouldn't I think, say that because yeah. there are a lot of people out there. Yeah. No, I mean they're all working yeah. in TV now. <laughs> Yeah, all working on the new Game of Thrones show. Um, Well, so I I wanted to say some of my highlights too. Uh, There's lots of text. Let's yeah, let's let's get let's get it. Jim, Jim will cue um, you. Yeah, yeah. So I think um, the first the first thing that I liked about or the first thing the first scene that I saw that I was like, oh wow, that was really cool was when the Witch of the Waste. is in her like uh sedan chair or the like that divan or whatever that they like are carrying yeah. her around in. And yeah. she opens up the door and she uses this like pole that's a hook and puts that little like glass 
thing on the ground mm. and then like taps it and opens it up and all the black goo guys like go back in there and then she uses the hook to like close it and then pick it up and put it back in that's so cool like <laughs> that just like they someone had to think about that like okay how does she oh, collect yeah. these things oh well she's gonna use this like rod that has a hook on the end and it has a little like kettle that she like manipulates with this hook and it's all the oh man it's so good <laughs> they go so deep down the rabbit hole in their details that that's really yeah. what the tr the trick that makes because it is an illusion obviously this place doesn't exist but it feels so real and i think that's really one of the things and i said it last week with the, the other movie that it and you met somebody mentioned it this time was the was those like supporting characters so like kind of like these are the things that come together and it, it just gives it a sense of realism uh it's just grounded in something that feels like a place you could actually go and it's yeah, that like yeah. the, who someone did, came up with that that's that's so cool and someone you know who knows they did some research you know maybe they looked into how things were handled if it was like maybe they went to a chemistry lab or something and and saw how they dealt with harsh chemicals and spawn and I, who knows but clearly that work was put in where those ideas get sparked and they get in the movie and it and it's just this always with him these this rich tapestry it it's, almost it's feels especially unparalleled sorry, sorry i no, want no, to say my just... one other favorite i want to say my one other favorite okay. scene before someone steals it from me <laughs> i know well, right so so i'm gonna say I, I can't believe i'm i can't even believe i'm saying this but i think this movie looks better than spirited away and so i think the best scene in the movie is the scene where sophie goes into hal's bedroom when he's sick or when he's sad because of his hair oh, yeah. or whatever and his yeah. room is just fucking packed full of just the like brim. shit but yeah but it's not but you can but every single thing you can see what it is it's not just like yep a haze right it's like there's every single thing you can look at it and you can see oh, what it's it deep is focus and it's like it's, it, it's specific yeah. yeah it's like a shot from citizen kane it's like this deep focus shot with just details crammed in there and and it lingers yeah. enough for you to just really go into it i love that little like i don't even know what what you call it like a peacock like eye clock thing in the background of that scene and then the, everything's like yeah. jewel encrusted you know, clearly has yeah, some magical yeah. function, you know. It's like yeah. one of the single it's the, best it's the frames best. of like any Ghibli movie. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Man. It's it's the it's easily the best looking scene in the whole movie and maybe in in the whole corpus of Ghibli. It it's yeah. incredible. And what really sells there, it too, sure. what's so great about that is that like one of the gems in there like glows and he's like, Oh, the Witch of the Waste is trying to find the castle. And it's like it it cements the whole thing in reality because it's like, oh, like every one of those objects does something. It's like they're all yeah, monitoring right. or protecting or enchanting or something. They all have a function because that random one glowed and he knew exactly what it meant. And it's like this is like a, a control yeah. room in an airplane. It's like everything has a purpose. Um, yeah. And what I was going to say overall, particularly with this film, but in a lot of Ghibli films, is it almost feels like the artists are just allowed to kind of mock up whatever they want and just like show the director. And he's like, yeah, that seems cool. Yeah. Put it in. So like somebody mm -hmm. just like made the scene with a little pot and they're like, he's like, yeah, that looks fucking sick. Yeah. We'll put that in the movie. Sure. And someone else is like, Hey, I think this is what Hal's bedroom would look like. And he's like, all right, yeah, we got to do something in Hal's bedroom. That looks awesome. <laughs> you know, it's just like so all these cool tableaus.
So I've also seen him yell at people, director. though. Basically. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> well, I, you should be I, a little bit if you're a good director. Went, but I can't. <laughs> yeah, I, knowing, knowing Miyazaki, and if it goes bad, you out, have but... to cut a tip off your pinky finger. That's <laughs> 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 just my understanding. If he doesn't like the idea. So they, just don't, yeah. they don't just reward uh, good ideas. They also punish bad ones. So that's the key. No, that's the that's We the need Japanese to be doing that way. over here. That's right. Yeah, right. <laughs> but Jim, you had something to say. I want to put you on the spot now. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. It was, uh, I was just going to make a side comment when we were talking about all the writers of kind of movie television shows. There oh, okay. is a certain criticism that I've seen echoed faintly. And maybe, the, you know, this is a criticism that, you know, as I talk to certain friends about movies and stuff like that, that writing has kind of gone down in quality. Um, and that was just to kind of mirror what you guys were talking about as far as the quality of films and that kind of thing. Gone down do, in quality of movies or TV or overall? Uh, overall. I, I think the echoing is overall. Uh, do you agree? with? I, I, and I'm curious to think, uh, to see what you think about that, Ben. Do you agree with that? Do you disagree with that? Instinctively, I say it's gotten better and that they're basing... What the, it's never a process that's over, though, and you always have to, it always evolves with the times. But I think we've, writing for this this medium, right, the, this visual medium is pretty new. Yeah. I mean, it, it evolved from literature and, uh, and like stage plays, respectively, and radio plays for TV. And so, like, we haven't been doing it all that long, but I think now we're at least like learning what works and what doesn't better than say if we dial it back to you know 60s and 50s but uh, some of the best stuff there yeah. still still works but probably most of it doesn't but it's almost hard when you're in the time you're in to look at it super objectively you almost have to like wait and look back it's almost like you harder to see like the fashion trends that you're living in kind of you know we all see how, yeah. how crazy bell bottoms look now right at the time yeah <laughs> um definitely my instinct is that it it, it is an, a, a terribly subjective opinion about something that is subjective in and of itself so for instance since we talked about it before the show if we talked about house of the dragon and we came fresh off of watching that we were like writing has never been better than it is now right it's an excellent show the writing is very tight it's very focused but if you watch a like a lot of b movies you would think that writing has gone down so i think it has to do more with kind of the air you're breathing in at the time too well i think i think studios are also just less inclined to like take a chance right um and so you don't you don't get many of those movies that are just like a guy's vision that he executes in his like weird way that he wants to. And just like, yeah. because of all of that, like ends up making something super fucking cool. Yeah. Obscure movies that they call it. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah, they, don't, yeah. they don't get, I mean, there are obviously people out there doing that and they get releases through like studio 20, uh, yeah. A 24 and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, but like, like if you are if like your your movie isn't gonna get released in a theater unless it's like an established IP. No, that, that you doesn't know happen you're gonna anymore. make your 
yeah, yeah. like yeah that used to happen in like wide releases are like, just we made almost thing. unheard of it just, it's you have to have movies. had a budget over a hundred million dollars if you even want to hope to get a wide release and even said they canceled that that Batgirl movie I think it was yeah. or something it was like a 90 million dollar budget mm-hmm. um, they said it didn't look yeah. good enough for for theaters or it wasn't like up to the, their standards or something so even then it's wow. it's kind of crazy I think it's it's a hard to answer question because I think there's more media making happening now than ever before so it's just so noisy yeah. there's going to be more bad writers and there's going to be more good stuff too um, so it's, it's like well, even hard that. to quantify in that regard, but I do think that writers struggle with specific things during specific times. And right now, I think that a lot of writers are struggling to write, um, strong female protagonist characters without, um, becoming like some kind of a cliche. I think that's something that's being struggled with. Um, yeah. and, um, I think with also writing like more divert, like you got your old, old guard, you know, we're just wrote in the, like the nineties and everyone, every, everyone in the movies was white, you know, as if, as if other yeah. races didn't exist. And so they're struggling with like writing characters that are diverse without making them like cliche or falling into these like traps and stuff. So I think that is something they're exploring and then different audiences. And then some people get mad about like the casting choices and blame the writing. I think that happens too. So there's probably like a vocal minority yeah. out there that's just mad that Ariel's not, you know, uh, a white girl or something. <laughs> and so they're going to throw a fucking fit online and then, and they, and yeah. they'll just probably say the writing was terrible. Uh, and I've heard rants like that. And so I don't know, it's hard to quantify. I say overall, I'm seeing yeah. better and better. St- I, me personally, the stuff I like, I feel like just blows away the stuff from like, you know, 15, 20 years ago, mostly. There's always exceptions, you know, right. those things that really stand the right. test of time. But I, I think it's media overall is better than ever in my book. One of the biggest shifts that I've seen that I think might trigger, like, uh, you know, trigger some people to think the writing has, has gone downhill. And it's like, it's kind of uh, up mm-hmm. to your um, personal opinion, but the lines between like what is tv writing and what is film writing seems to be like blurring more and more whereas things like a a lot of mcu movies honestly feel like long episodes of a tv show where maybe the stuff that happens in that movie is not really consequential but will be in a couple movies when it when things really pick up you know and so that that Mm -hmm. mcu particularly has more of an episodic feel and then you have shows, particularly recently for me, at least Obi-Wan triggered this, where it felt like it could have been a movie. And it's like, I feel like you could have cut down a little bit and made this into a pretty solid two-hour movie. Um, and so those lines are kind of blurring, like the way these these properties feel. Some of them, feel, like some of these movies feel like they could have been TV shows, and some of these TV shows feel like they could have been movies. And mm-hmm. yeah. just like, uh, those walls are breaking down. Good point. Good well, point. Think, and yeah. the consequences are, there's going to be growing pains to figure that out. Well, yeah. yeah, I think, I think people are just trying to like, or I think one of the forces at play is like managing stakes, right? Because even if you're, even if you're like an established director, like I remember when I think it was Aronofsky released Mother, like no one went and saw that movie, but it was so fucking cool. Like, like we can argue about whether it's like good or not, but it was so fucking cool and different, right? But like when you, when you like drop, millions upon millions of dollars into a movie like that and you like don't even you don't even break even you know like yeah who the fuck is gonna tell you to do another one of those you know even when you're an established guy like aronofsky 
So yeah, he's so not like going to get another chance to do something high. like that. Yeah. 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 That's a good point too. Yeah. There's a lot that it, it, the whole playing field has changed. Clearly streaming really did change things quite a bit. And um, that all happened since Howl's Moving Castle came out. And so I think you're also seeing the consequences yeah. of that, try, p- trying to figure that out and adapt with Studio Ghibli. And they've been struggling too. And they've, I, they made a pretty big error with that new 3D movie um, as far as that goes. And they have kind of struggled to hit the same high as they were hitting around the time that this one came out, I feel like. Because I've liked uh, some of their subsequent movies, but I don't think any of them have made the kind of impact that um, like Spirited Away and Howl's Moving Castle has on on the like mass audience stage. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So hopefully they do figure it out because I want more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, have we gotten highlights from Jim? Jim, did you give us highlights? Um, yeah, I, d- I gave you one highlight where um, Sophie was turned into an old woman. Um, I do agree with your guys' um, highlights. Let, let me just look over my notes. Um, and some of the magical moments were just in, like, the mundane, you know, when she yes. has that picnic. When she goes out, well, let me talk about a magical moment that led to the magic of the mundane was the fact that the castle, we, we saw very early on that the castle kind of operated like Baba Yaga's hut. Hell yeah. Where you open a door and depending on the color, you end up in a different place, which kind of suggested that this castle exists at many different places all at the same time, which so is cool. a hell of an ideal. So cool. But Poor Haven door the again. point that I was Yeah, but the point that I was drawing at was when um uh how kind of uh made that kind of that one different color um for the door that led her into this very picturesque almost that like the so sound beautiful. of the music countryside yes. and she said, i've had that as my wallpaper she says i yeah and she says i never felt so peaceful before um i think that's the transition where she feels like the castle is a sort of a home and that's you know a, while a we're going moment. through this through this anime you know, I, I was like, well, how come they didn't flesh out her mother? You know, how come they didn't flesh out her life before? Um, probably because we were on the um, kind of, you know, we had seen Whisper of the uh, Heart, and we've seen, seen all those characters fleshed out. Maybe her life before wasn't really that magical, you, you know, and, and by not fleshing out, they're kind of telling you that. I feel um, like I got a pretty good ju- sense of it opposed to this moment from what little they showed. And I actually used that mother as an example of a good tertiary character where they just hint at an entire life and personality there really quick. And that whole, like when she goes oh, yeah. in to see uh, her sister in the shop there and, and the guys mm-hmm. are just falling all over themselves for Letty, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, and oh, yeah. you can use yeah. my office. Like that's such a, it's, you know, it was like a, <laughs> Two minute scene, but it like it just shows you like right. this whole life there. Like it really it does a good job of suggesting that. So yeah, and and that, it probably was true. more. You I probably got a, that. You probably did get a sense of like this is her standing, and like this was kind of her day to day, and she wasn't going to go out and have fun afterwards with the others, you know, and stuff. And that was just kind of it, and kind of ignored, and you know, a wallflower, etc. 
So yeah, it was probably a pretty good contrast yeah. that way. Sort of a and more interesting like telling of Cinderella, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that came up when they were. I'm sure they looked for those things too because again, that Baba Yaga reference is is a big one. Of course, it, of course that's yeah. Oh, Baba Yaga. And the 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 castle had those like chicken feet too. Mm-hmm. Totally. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. They they were yeah. leaning into it. Yeah. Now he'll he'll do that. He puts his own twist on it though. So something something that I can jump off from from here is well, there's so many depictions in this movie I think are done perfectly and one of them or, or maybe not perfectly is is a little facetious but is are done in such an interesting way and uh, again so different from Western movies so I already talked about how romance is kind of shown um, particularly though even more specifically how women interact with or men interact with women in this movie is so unique and not, like very non-Western where we see in the very beginning she gets kind of assaulted by those two guards who are like yep. like yeah. being very aggressive oh, towards her yeah. and like trying to yeah. give her alone and um that that is like something you don't see very often in especially like a children's fantasy romance kind of thing yeah uh, i had forgotten about that that really surprised me because i was like oh where is this going like yeah yeah exactly right. yeah there's and then the way treats. we see we see uh her sister being fawned after by all of these like co-workers of hers then like bosses and you know presumably people who have power over her and, and like treating her like that. Um, and then once Sophie becomes old and the, like, uh, I think there's only one scene where it happens, but a man like offers to help her and he's like, are you okay? Like, you know, like suddenly she's treated like she's helpless and she's like, no, I got it. I'm good. Like I can do this myself. And um, she likes and, it better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like exactly. Right off the bat. Yeah. She's like, this actually suits me fine. Yeah. There just seems to be a lot of focus on like, yeah, like men, and like having power over women and it's it's something you don't see very often which i thought was cool yeah that's definitely something that was explored in the movie that shift and it was an important shift and they definitely established it right off the bat in those few the several of those scenes so yeah good call and they and they explore that throughout the movie i loved how they this isn't like a specific scene but i loved how she her like curse made her look old but at certain points she would shift in and out of it you know that seemed more yeah. real than just sticking to because it's you know it's a magical curse so it just seems like there would be things that would affect its um i don't know it's uh potency or something or potency. its effect yeah yeah like it, it would just kind of certain things would like break through the illusion of it or something you know at certain times and i never yeah. i never really fully understood why other than i guess it was more like she when she felt open to be herself or something uh, when she felt more yeah. comfortable with herself, so, had something to do with it. But uh, it was beautifully handled. It would, and it was different at different times. Like you, you probably saw, you know, a good like seven or eight versions of how they drew that character throughout, depending on the situation. I thought that was pretty yeah. cool, and it takes a lot of work to do that. So, well, another great detail. I had recalled that aspect, and specifically was looking for those triggers this time, and like what mm-hmm. seemed to cause mm-hmm. it. And my, my okay. best theory is that it's linked to her like sense of wonder, basically. It's like mo- in the moments where she is most like, uh, uh, like sees the most magic of lost like, in the, the most, moment, maybe. Like, yeah, exactly. It's like seems to be like when she's on the she balcony for the first time. Yeah. And she like looks out of the view from the moving castle. She, I think that's the first time she gets uh, like appears to be younger. When Hal shows her the like flowery meadow, she's young for like that entire scene almost. And then typically the moments where she be, like turns old again is when she's sort of confronted with the reality of her curse and like 
kind of like like Howell has to leave and suddenly she's like, yeah, okay, I'm back right. to being the maid and then she just gets yep. old. Yeah, and you so, see her transition too at certain points. So speaking of that transition, you know, when she's most filled with wonder, do you guys think that's like a symbolic sense? Because just, you know, in my, my memory's eye, just going back to the scenes where she looks younger, the characters still treat her as if she's old. There was one, Hal certainly one scene, does. I think it, but she, but my, yeah, yeah. my thing is he, you know, he knew who she was right off the bat and he probably sees right through that illusion right. the whole time. So he right. doesn't care or he doesn't see it like we're seeing it or something. So you're onto something there. I don't, I don't remember if she does it in front of other characters or not though. That's, that's the problem. Do you? I, I, I think there was a part where um, I forget who the the wizard is, the one that made um, Adam Solomon, the Witch of the, the Witch yeah, of the Ways, yeah, Madame, the Witch of the Ways. Yeah, there was there was. I think it might have been when Hal um, is impersonating the guard. I'm, I'm kind of hazy yes, on that. You're right, but I think there but was she's a also... where she looked younger, but she did the um, the the Solomon didn't treat her as if she was young, which kind of cued me in. Oh, but she knew something else. She knew on. who it was though the whole time though, too. Hmm. In other words, she, she knew that wasn't Hal's mom and she saw right through the illusion. That's why she's like, Oh, I get it. Right. You're in love with Hal because it wouldn't be weird because she, she knew exactly. That. Who yeah. She uh, yeah. She did say that. So yeah. it's not like she did it in front of like, I don't know. They're all fucking magical characters though. Now, <laughs> yeah. now I think of it. Cute. I don't know. Uh, it's an interesting one. Um, and, and I also think that some of this, like we're we're kind of have a bearing towards it, as if it's a hard and fast type of movie, right? Like gritted reality. Like to compare it to another fantasy tale. Like we watched Lord of the Rings. Um, there's a lot of rules, right, governing that system, right? So it would oh, require yeah. explanation. I don't think that in a soft kind of way that this tale is, right, where there's brush strokes that kind of allude to other things, we're supposed to investigate super hard. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think it's probably implied, but you got to also remember that every time they do that change, it has to be tracked in like storyboards, timesheets, and and stuff like that. They They say in like live action movies, like don't smoke a cigarette or if you can avoid it like drink something because then in every shot it has to match exactly how smoked the cigarette is like you have to start tracking shit in a, in a very complex and annoying way and most of the time mm. you're going to make some kind of mistake and there'll be a continuity error well in animation it's even more so like there's it has to be tracked in, in many different ways because they do it frame by frame and so that it just kind of gives you a sense of how how much time and effort they put into stuff that that is then seems effortless. Um, but with that, yeah. it's like yeah, a lot of the stuff is probably still is implied. But I wonder with that one, they they had to put it on some kind of like like a zero. Like, is she at like an eight here? <laughs> like, you know, is she at a five <laughs> right. or maybe a three? Like, where and then how are we going to draw that? It's fascinating. But when you're talking about mundane things, Jim, uh, the, the, the scene where they cook breakfast, which I originally had as my intro clip, and it was just too much chewing in it. Yes. It's more of a visual scene, so I, I went with the other one. But I, I love that scene, just them cooking breakfast and really kind good. of like really they're good. setting up 
who's who in the place and the food looks incredible. I, I think about it often when I cook breakfast. I think of that scene and sometimes I'll even on a Sunday morning, I'll throw on Howl's Moving <laughs> Castle when I cook breakfast. It's like a nice companion to cooking. Um, and so that's one of the scenes that I that I really love. Um, and if we're talking about other sequences, the whole sequence where she finally like after they get she gets separated and you know the other guys don't know she fell off a cliff and then and the rubble she has the ring and and she follows the ring into the door and the dog has to like figure out if he's like brave enough to go with her and finally he realizes you know he's he spins around like a dog was and jumps in after but that ring how it was like running out of magic and it would eventually break that tension in her finger I felt that throughout mm. that entire sequence. You feel it like pinching off on her finger and like trying to hang in there so she can see her vision. Uh, I thought that was just quite wonderful. And then, of course, the way they animated. And I love how he like kind of uh, this is tied to that other place, the the place that you that she, the field or whatever that she goes into and that he made for her. How he like has to fly her back to the door and he drops her off. And again, she does the kind of running in air thing towards the door. Just, yeah, that was like just, more like feather I fall. Mean, Made me think of feather fall. Yeah, it was more like a feather fall thing. Yeah, that's right. Well done. Um, yeah, it's just so many like little beautiful moments like that. I mean, I really could go on and on. Are there any other ones you guys want to squeeze out? Or there's well, really so much. We like, can start from the first first frame and continue forth from there. I guess. Anytime, anytime you see like the interior of a house, it's just like mm -hmm. so lavish. Like attention has yes. been lavished on every. Every single fucking bit of this house has like some some poor animator's pen has touched it, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. There's there's something where I, I thought a lot, especially in the opening scenes of like I was trying to picture this movie if it was like a Disney movie or even like you know a Pixar movie, whatever. Yeah, right. And yeah. like okay. how much yeah, yeah. less stuff there would be. Like in the first oh, shot yeah. of her in the hat room, like sewing a hat. I'm like, there's like 40 hats in that room. And I'm like, there's no fucking way a Disney movie would have that many hats. There'd be like one hat next to her and the one she's working on. And that's it. Like that you're it's clear she's a hatter. It'd be very like efficient. It's like we want to get the point across in as few pixels as possible. Here's a hat. Here's one she's working on. She's a hatter. Boom. And it's like, no, this movie has no interest in efficiency. It's like we want to just put lavish. Like, we want it to just be. Yeah. Yeah. Just like visually rich. It's like a like a stew that has every possible ingredient you could put in a stew in there. It's <laughs> yeah. like, just maybe it's not a stew you could eat every single day, but it's going to be so delicious when you do eat it. Yeah. 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 That, they luxuriate that studio scenery for sure. They oh, do man. it better it's than anyone incredible. else it's I've luxurious. seen. Yeah. They really, the they, they so really rich. consistently, consistently deliver on details like that in their movies beyond where other studios take it, I'd say. And frankly, I, in three like a 3d movie like pixar they might put details in but my eyes just i like looking at 2d drawings more there's some there's something that i just like more about them maybe it's because i'm tired of watching 3d stuff um or or it's just like there's some kind of appeal to a drawing doing the illusion of 3d that that is just i find more attractive to look at and so those types of scenes with the lavish detail, I don't care if they reproduce that in 3D, I wouldn't want to look at it as much as I want to look at these beautiful 2D matte paintings they do. Yeah. Well, I mean, Pixar has like, Pixar has a very sort of like clean and refined and sort of minimalistic style, right? Like it's very influenced by like iPads or some bullshit like that, right? Like, like 
you know, Apple. Yeah, right? yeah, sort of. In cars, though, when you like, you like, they cut inside the garage. They, they still like, they still work in two D first to design those backgrounds. They have the same kind of artists, and they show like the concept art. I'm like, man, that looks so much better in that two D drawing that that guy did. <laughs> yeah. Then it ended up in like cars, for example. Like I remember specifically that one. They showed a a, a, a mat, a, like a you know, an area drawing of the garage they went into. And it's just gorgeous. I was like, I didn't even notice that in the 3D movie. My, I didn't even search that out. But um, yeah. I think there, overall, stylistically, what you're saying is tends to be true. There are Disney movies that I think approach that level um, that, uh, that that are probably yeah. influenced by Studio Ghibli, honestly. Uh, Lilo and Stitch comes to mind. It feels that movie feels very Ghibli. It's probably I, for me. It's been a long time since I've seen it, but I do definitely recall like tons of background details and really rich illustration. In but it's two D uh, too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then uh, for a three D example, or at least a computer animated. I'm not sure how it's been a long time since I've seen it. Also, but uh, Treasure Planet sure. um, always had really rich. Uh, That's two like, D three D composite though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So still two D elements. That was when they were like drawing. Almost, the, uh, they did the arm in 3D. I remember that, but most of it yeah. was still 2D. But that's when they were that, like that still working like out a, how to like do a genre stuff. choice. Sorry, yeah. I didn't mean that was almost like a genre choice, right? Because that was the like steampunky one, right? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Steampunk lends itself for, to that style for sure. It's yeah. one of the ripest for uh, a live action remake, and they just refuse. They just won't. It would look so fucking cool <laughs> as a live action uh, movie, but. I don't know why. Well, while, while we're on the subject of the animation, I wanted to ask you guys if you noticed any of the computer animation done in this. I think I only noticed it twice. The tank. There was the, there the was, castle. I mean, yeah. So I guess what I mean is like noticed it in a bad way. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah. Lay it on me. Yeah. What did yeah. you notice? So the one time I think when she is in that like glade or whatever that he makes for her there's a scene where the water is computer animated i think uh -huh. um and i noticed that and i was like ah, probably it doesn't look quite as good mm -hmm. um the other the other one i noticed that um was when there's a scene where she like where she i think it's when she sees how as a young boy and then like a sort of like hole opens up below her and the like rim of the hole is like stretchy do, do you know what i do you know the scene that i'm referring to yep yeah yeah. Scene, yeah yeah that was the other one that one didn't bug me as much as the water one but it bugged me in the sense i was like in the sense that i thought to myself oh that's a computer that like no one drew that that had to have been computer animated they do it a lot um, with but yeah vehicles and stuff like that and it's things that have to like turn in space so like You'll see it a lot. It always bothers me a little when I see it. I'll say that. But I really try to be forgiving because I get that that's not where you want to put your budget. Um, and so they have to do it. But I'll say that they tend to do it better and more tastefully than I've seen it done in other, by other studios and other productions. Um, yeah. But yeah, there's, there's parts. There's parts like that. And I did notice those too. I didn't notice the water one. I'll have to look at that one again. But uh, yeah, it's, it always pulls you out a little bit. Anybody else notice things that like the 3D elements they tried to composite in there? I did notice the tanks uh, in one of the like sort of parade right. scenes were very clearly 3D. Um, didn't didn't really pull me out, but yeah, it is something I always notice. Mm -hmm. It's always something that's a little yeah. uh, eye catching. 
but that does make me remind me of another another of those great or very unique depictions in this is just the depiction of war here and particularly in those parade scenes it's very interesting because typically in a movie especially like a simple animated like made for kids movie you would get one of two things either it would be war is bad and here's a bunch of like really sad war depictions which you know there are some older animated stuff that deals with that but always those depictions are dreary and gross and like very clearly like look at these machines of war aren't aren't they depressing to look at and then there's like the like you know american propaganda where it's like look at how cool these soldiers are uh they're like all kind of nice guys and everything's happy and colorful and it's like those are the two options this movie does both where it's like look at this like happy parade everyone's so happy and it's like horrifying it's like this is like very clearly a country that has like you know propagandized their own war very much like china and korea do and like convince their population that it's a wonderful thing even though it's killing all of them you know so miyazaki loves fucking airships and i think that was on full display we have like ornithopters and those big those big gunships um but those big gunships are they're so awesome in the like sense that they like inspire awe not that they're like super cool but they they are super cool but yeah you see them and they're just like oh fuck look at that thing holy shit and then they have like you get those close-ups on them and they're just so rich with the every detail and they they work in these weird ways and you're sort of looking at them trying to figure them out yeah they got those sphincters yeah they got those butts that they shoot (laughs) at the bad guys yeah but yeah, you're right. Like those, those huge airships, they like, they serve a double purpose. Like you were saying, like they're awesome to look at, but they're also like terrifying, right? They're ter- They're like awesome and terrible. Yeah. And those are like mm-hmm. two things that you don't oftentimes get in uh, in like a war movie. Yeah. Yeah. Even that scene where like that that like street got like firebombed and there was like people, it's like, wow, this is a kids movie. Yeah. This is PG. Yeah. But yeah, they do a good job of like the war stuff starts very happy. And like as a you know, as someone who dislikes the idea of war, <laughs> let's put it that way. You're going out of the limb here. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh I should say as someone who's like aware of propaganda, let's put it that way, it's like it's it's immediately terrifying when you see everyone like you know cheering for the soldiers like that is to me terrifying sure. but wouldn't necessarily be okay we can hear you now uh wouldn't necessarily be terrifying to everybody but like to me it's like oh that's that's like horrifying that these people are like you know cheering for these soldiers in a parade but then it it also slowly gets horrifying in the visuals as you get to like the firebombing and the, the airships and stuff where it's like it's a good on it's a good way to radicalize someone who doesn't already understand why propaganda is bad to like show them this be like see how they're clapping for the soldiers and now see how the soldiers are killing them this is yep. this is the pipeline this is how yeah, it works right. clearly japan yeah, i was saying this earlier been... clearly japan's dealing with their own history there as well yeah, yeah. with these things yeah, it led, it led to the country's ruination. Definitely, like it, you know, just and I'm sure there yeah. was that time where they were all celebratory about what was happening. But getting to De- Devin's point, you know, people that are in love with the circus, right? You know, the the spectacle, and they can't see past it. Yeah, it is a little horrifying. You know, nationalism. You know, just just to take it to kind of a real world 
nationalism kind of meant something different when I was growing up, you know, uh, to what it means now. You, you, you know, it wasn't such a blind obedience. You know, because of love for your country, you might call out some stuff. You know, whereas kind of today, in today's day age, it is that that blind obedience. And if the you jingoist feel the same way, there's something wrong with you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Howell, Howell even has that line where uh, he sees those like airships, and so he's like, "Aren't those the king's airships?" And he's like, "Does it matter? Like, does it matter whose they are?" They're, they're he has a wizard blessed. setup in both, yeah. both kingdoms. I mean. He's Jenkins yeah. over here and he's Pendragon over here. So who knows what angle all he's working. He doesn't seem to really have that. Um, yeah, he's just uh, follows his own code, right? Uh, what, yeah. what do they call that? Not an alpha wolf. They, they have some other fucking name for it now. An outlier, maybe? A, a wolf. wolf? I don't know. Omega oh, wolf. Oh, oh, anyway, Sigma. yeah, Sigma. I don't know. Sigma. Sigma. Yeah, is that it? Okay, <laughs> anyway. I think so. Um yeah, is, but that sequence yes. where he goes through, I love that sequence too. When he's like, I'm going to go through, I can't just let it get away. And you just kind of see him, I don't know, astrally project or something through the ship and just yeah, F right. it up. Like that whole sequence of him just flying through. And you got, you see each room of the ship. So they clearly had it planned out. They had it all worked out. What what did what and what was where. Oh, I'm yeah, sure definitely. how Miyazaki and his team just like oh, freaked Miyazaki. out on the details and loved it. They loved this sequence. Because you can see, he goes through these each room. He's interrupting something, and they turn, and some of them sense that he's there, you know. And then all this stuff goes on, and then showing it crippled, and then going down. Ah, it's amazing, amazing. I totally buy it. Totally loved it. Yeah, yeah. He loves that. That he the he loves airships, man. That that probably oh, yeah. wasn't even like new work. That was just like pleasure. Like he's like, oh, I got this. Like, and then he just like opened his filing cabinet. Was like, right here. Here we go. <laughs> Laputa was all airships. Like, have you guys seen the Laputa? I have not. Seen or Laputa? I don't know how they actually pronounce it. It's been a while. It's, no. it's a longer one. It's an older one, but it's all airships. If you like airships, uh, go check that one. Ben, out. have you seen uh, Kiki's Delivery Service? I'm not sure if we're gonna oh yeah, I, I like that yeah. one. Yeah, I was gonna say, I'm sure you'd love that because it combines like all the the stuff of uh, Whisper of the Heart with with the, the airships and the magic, and it's like exactly. a little bit of everything. Yep. Now Kiki's Delivery Service is a must watch it, it, for anyone who likes Miyazaki films or Ghibli films. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. In um, yeah, the back, I it's and I really like kind of the older ones still because they don't have any of the 3d elements in them and that's one of those ones that was done before they started doing that i know we always have to have them now and i forgive them but i still just love seeing the old hand-drawn hand-painted stuff that's just a, it's a completely lost art i know they i know why they don't do it it's too expensive if the training's crazy they don't even have the people that know how to do it anymore it truly is becoming a lost art and so yeah, it's i really relish those yeah and it's all digital like the paint is they don't paint anymore they paint it digitally why would they i get it but it still has a unique look to it and even though the flaws you'll see a flaw in a frame here and there now they probably digitally remaster and touch them up so there's they're more flawless looking i imagine but it's just there's something to it there's something to that was each frame of that was painted you know by hand there's just something glorious about that and so kiki's is one of those i'll, I'll just tie it in with that uh, so yeah i treasure that one as well but all all the old ones they're all they're all worth a watch and some of them I like more than others, but they definitely are all worth a watch because there's there's a lot of gems in there. Absolutely. 
I yeah. thought one thing that struck me on this watching that I kind of wondered to myself why I didn't notice it before was just um, was just like how brilliant. Because like this is obviously a movie that like they want kids that are like I don't know probably like like what what age of I don't have I don't have any kids so like what age of kid do you think would be watching this Ben? The character the the Marco is it Marco the the character's uh, age what it Marco yeah he's he's what like 11, 10, 11, I guess, 10, something 11. like that yeah. yeah I'd say probably around yeah. there would be my guess yeah yeah. And so like they have they have um Sophie's character who's like a young character, right? And then she becomes an older character. And so the kids are like, okay, she's my character because she's the younger she's not as young as Marco, obviously, but she's like the young character. And then the kid sees the sees her become an older character and they're like, Oh, now she's like my mom or you know, my adult person who's with me and the adult that's watching is like oh that is what being old is getting older is like (laughs) it's shitty you know and the and the adult like remembers oh i remember when i was 15 or whatever and now i'm older you know and i just thought that was like such a fucking brilliant way to like take these two like separate like people that are going to be watching your movie together and just like putting them together you know i thought that was so brilliant it was such a good idea it's like freaky friday you know yeah yeah it it forces you to shift perspective and think about it differently but there's also kind of someone for everyone to empathize with too of all ages you know so it really plays to a general audience if you're 10 or 11 you're looking at markle if but even if you're like 14 15 which i think is kind of more sophie's like what she's supposed to be around because like she's basically independent she like runs that hat shop kind of like yeah all the, like, oh, all yeah. the other yeah, girls yeah. who work there are shown to be kind of incompetent and she's the one actually like doing the work so uh she's yeah probably like yes. 14 15 so you have like something for the really young kids in markle you have something for the sort of uh older teenage kids and then you have obviously something for the adults it's it, yeah it is brilliant bingo bango magic in the gas tank Okay, any other like closing thoughts or things you want to point out about uh, something that we're all agreeing on is a pretty great little movie? I do want to say one one recurring theme with Ghibli movies that's maybe a little less uh, sweet to me is young okay. characters falling in love with seemingly immortal characters. Because that's how, that happens in Spirited Away when a like eight-year-old girl falls in love with a spirit, like a river spirit that's like hundreds of years old. And then also in this movie, when this like 14 year old girl falls in love with this like ancient wizard who's ageless and like it is basically the uh, David Bowie from Labyrinth. Like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's yeah. interesting. Their their love story was actually like one of the so like this happens a fair this happens enough in movies that I sometimes find it annoying. Right. Is that like so Sophie is like embroiled in this um, these goings on with with. Um, how right and they basically have like no they they have like so little interaction right they they so like the movie's two hours and they they've known each other for less than that amount of time right or well maybe not because i guess she's been sleeping there so like she knows she knows how for like not that much amount of time they're not interacting like constantly because he's gone a lot and then she just like professes his her love to him that's you know like 
the amount of interaction that they've had is just like not that much, you know? Yes. And so that was, this is, that was a knock for me. Sure. Yeah, I can see that. that. A lot of movies truncate well, relationships like that because just because of runtime. But if you're noticing it, so I think it probably is a legitimate issue. No, they really didn't. Like they they, they really didn't interact that much. Conversation, you know. They tied it to fate or something that was playing there and some magic and but yeah, yeah. I, I I take your point. Yeah, I I definitely take that point too. But have you ever seen Young Love? <laughs> That's true. Dude, young Love, you, you, you know, and, and the 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 depth of the emotion that you feel. That's true. You know, when you're we talked young, about this last you're, week. You're too. a young, young yeah, teenager. Right. Yeah. You know, you'll never, you know, the, that first love, you'll never feel that in that same way again with that type of intensity. It takes much longer. Yeah. So I mean, you know, there is yeah. that too. I be, I see, I believe it from that perspective. And I also this is this is leading to what my point was. Um oh, my example of this is Twilight, the Twilight films, okay. Like, yeah, from a younger person's perspective, you're yeah. you're watching Twilight and you're like, yeah, I totally buy that. If you were a hundred and whatever the hell years old, is it Edward <laughs> yeah, right. was, the last yeah. person you're going to want to date and fall in love with is a fucking annoying ass high school girl. Okay. She was so, yeah, right. so immature and so annoying. Like, there's just no, no way from that perspective. Like, it kind of falls apart when you're older. The whole thing, it just doesn't work based on that. So, well, I mean, that's it. it, it almost, yeah. It's almost like accidentally a good depiction of like how kind of creepy a lot of men are that like go after younger women. Like they're they're emotionally so immature that they yeah. What's wrong with Edward? That's what he's yeah exactly yes exactly. And like, why does he choose to keep going to high school just because he got bit when he was high school age? Why does he keep choosing to go to public high school? Who on God's green earth? Oh my God! To go to public high school if they had the choice, like Twilight's the worst. it's absolute you know worst. Don't you ever, don't me. any of you ever pick that movie or any of those. <laughs> you, you know where it fell apart for, for me when I tried to watch the first movie? Uh huh. What? what it, There's a lot there. In, so. in the, in the, in the first scenes where the vampires glitter, I was like, no. Oh my God, no, right? This is nope not the, the glitter movie skin. for me. <laughs> this ruined is vampires. not for me. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I did see, you know, uh, Lautner, Taylor Lautner as the werewolf, and that, yeah, that almost pulled me back to watch <laughs> those movies, but He's a slice, no, that's I don't funny. think so. <laughs> did anyone, did anyone, this is a bit of a digression, but did anyone see the video that James Fegan posted to our Discord um, uh, memes channel yet? It's like a movie review no. from The Onion. No. Go check that out because he, oh, no. it's, it's super funny. Okay, this probably won't make it in the edit, but any other, any other <laughs> final thoughts on Hal's to, to bring it back to this glorious uh, outing? There was, oh man, there was one other thing that I, there was one other nit that I wanted to pick, but I can't think of it now. Yeah, yeah. If you're gonna, if you're gonna want to get nitpicky, yeah, now's the time to do it. I mean, there's, there's so much oh, good oh, there. I, but... I remember the the way the movie ends. So Turnip Head yes, like okay. turns into the prince, who's also mm-hmm. Howl, mm-hmm. and you're confused. And then it turns out that it doesn't matter at all. And you're just like, why is this character even in? Why does this happen at all? <laughs> that, that end yeah. scene when he like turns into the prince and then like, for me, it was like, okay, because in the movie, there's been so many scenes where people look identical to other people. Right. Cause like 
Suleiman has like that army of like page boys and and there's another scene where um Howell shows up as a double of the king, you know. And so yep. I was so when he turned into the guy that a guy that looks exactly like Howell, I was like, "Oh no, is this is this really going to is this really Howell? Like is like was there a curse? Was he cursed or like what oh, I what see. the fuck's yeah, going on?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. And right. then he was like, "I'm in love with you, Sophie. Uh we are fated to yeah. be together." And then so, and Sophie's like, yeah. "Well, I'm in love with this fucking bird monster Howell over here." Yeah. And he was like, yeah. "Okay, I'll fuck off then." And then he just he just like exits the movie. <laughs> It it almost felt like, yeah, you're totally right. I fully agree. It almost felt like they were just having so much fun doing this movie that all of a sudden, like, they showed up one, like, you know, Monday morning and, and like, looked at the calendar like, fuck, we got to wrap this thing up. <laughs> we got to wrap up Turnip Head's story arc. <laughs> we got to tie up some loose ends here. Let's do it. We got one scene. They, they you know, they broke out the coffee and donuts or, or whatever. The Japanese equivalent of that is Sushi, probably coffee yeah. and donuts. Right. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like both of those That's things, okay. but maybe yeah. not together. <laughs> you dip. You dip the. Okay. No. No. Stop. Full stop. Okay. You put the. So you, like, put the you put the soy sauce in the coffee, no. and then you put the then you put the horseradish in the coffee, and you stir it up. So what's no. the green horseradish called? The wasabi. Wasabi. You put the wasabi in the. Yeah. That's what, what Americans call it. There is an actual wasabi root, but we don't need it because we're babies. Yikes. So um, anyway, anyway well, I forget I, my I, point was lost yeah, yeah, in there, sorry. but don't worry about it. Uh, it, <laughs> almost, it almost feels like like <laughs> one of two things happened. Like either like I think how Miyazaki probably wrote this movie exactly how he wanted it to go and like didn't need to wrap it up at the end, but like just wrote this kind of weird ending. And either yeah. everyone assumed it was great and didn't question him because he's fucking how Miyazaki or anyone who questioned mm-hmm. him. He was just like, get out. Like, you're fired. Yeah, right. Like, oh, you yeah. don't get the ending. Leave. <laughs> I mean, there's everything. It all makes sense, but it does feel rushed. And it almost is like sequel in a way, like, you know, that kind yeah. of felt like that too, you know? So, yes, that's if we're getting nitpicky, yeah. it was always going to be about the end for me as well. Um, for a movie that meanders around, they sure do tie things up quickly and neatly there. And, um, and it does the feel quick, a bit bombed on, but he was also, you can't lose him. He was such a consequential character. I mean, he's the yeah. reason the war was taking place, too. Maybe it was just lost in translation in the adaptation from the book. Maybe that's something we can revisit, yeah. too. Uh, if one of us reads it, let, let's figure out uh, how the ending was different or or played differently, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, I mean, if they had spent, like, two more seconds on it to just, like, explain what the fuck, who this guy is and, like, what is actually going on, it, it would have been better. But they really just, like, they sped read that shit and they were just like, this is okay here. We're done. Okay. He's here. Okay. Goodbye. And then, yep. then it went, then it ended. Yep. Basically. Yeah. I have to kind of hand wave that in my own mind when I watch it every time. And it's just because the whole rest of the movie is so well done and, and yeah. the pacing is great. Um, yeah. The contrast is a little jarring, but uh, again, yeah. nitpicky because I, I really like it and it does all make sense if you follow it. Like it, it does make sense. It just it's almost like they it almost would have worked better as a as a season of a TV show. Maybe they should adapt it. I don't know. It, it could be it could be a good thing. I don't know. 
Don't you know there's a sequel, Ben? It's called it's called Castle in the Sky. The, the castle flies away. Oh, yeah, and then right. the sequel is about the castle in the sky. That's right. Oh, that's right. Laputa. That's the Laputa one. Of, that's not, the castle in the sky. No. It's actually one I have not seen. But Mark Hamill the, voices castle the bad sky. guy in that. Oh, well, nice. If you want to hear Mark yeah, Hamill yeah, yeah, voicing another villain, yeah. he's good at villains. Yeah, he's, he's definitely very good the bad guy in that. Yeah, he's excellent in that in that one. Okay, so we're going to wrap up our discussion about Howl's Moving Castle. I just want to say that based on our different like viewpoints, and we we hardly ever agree 100% on anything, and I'm not saying we are on this one, but we are all pretty agreeable how much we enjoyed Howl's Moving Castle, how much we like this one. If you haven't seen a lot of anime or... Um, or in like Ghibli movies specifically, maybe this is a great movie to start with since it appealed to all of us. So if you haven't checked it out, go out and watch it. If you have and you love it, write us an email and let us know your thoughts on it. Um, tell tell me your top three Ghibli movies. How about that? But uh, Devin, you chose this movie. Do you have anything you want to kind of cap off our conversation with? Uh, yeah, just to continue your thought there, I think that I'm very like pleased that Jim enjoyed this movie. Uh, you know, I, I knew too. it was sort of an odder choice as far as Ghibli movies go, but I I am excited to hear that it is it is appealing to someone who's new to the genre, and I hope that it's appealing. I hope some of our listeners give it a shot and check it out if they haven't. Um, and yeah, yeah, I don't know. This movie's amazing, and uh, if if Spirit Away hadn't already been guessed, it would have been the one we talked about now, uh, but. Yes, it would have been the one we did anyway. It's nice that we got Spirited Away done earlier, and please do go check that out. I can't remember what series it was in, but uh, um, we, yeah, we kind of got the most social. obvious. Oh, okay, we kind of got the most obvious one out of the way first, and and kind of opened this up to different choices, which was nice. Okay, um, well, why? I'm pretty sure we've discussed this enough. We can keep going, I'm sure. Um, but we have enough to kind of gauge where we want to grade it. Um, if you haven't, give it a few minutes to think because we do have time to uh, keep the lights on and pay some bills by taking a short commercial break. And now a word from our sponsors. Friends, are you looking to make a change? Sick of the ridiculous war with the neighboring kingdom? Over a prince turned turnip? Are you ready for a new skyline because yours is being decimated and Madam Solomon's magic can't protect you? Well, come on down and talk to our professional movers here at Hal's Moving Castle, where we make moving magic. <laughs> Located in the royal city of Kingsbury, in the red brick building where the great wizard Pendragon used to be. In fact, uh, when old man Pendragon retired, who do you think helped him move? Listen, don't make <laughs> your friends show up and do backbreaking labor for pizza and beer. They don't want to do it, and you're getting too old for this crap. Just sit back, relax, and we'll whisk you away to your new place without you needing to lift a finger. Warning, do not lift a finger, for if you do, you'll be disrupting the... <laughs> moving enchantment, which will result in being whisked away to a different plane of reality, rendering our contract null and void. Disclaimer. We are not responsible for cleanup of magical residue, nor any transmogrification of furniture that magical moving may cause. Hal's Moving Castle. Professional movers for you, and your friends will thank you too.
Nice. Good one. That's so good. That's such. Oh man. Love it. Yeah, that was a fun one to write. (laughs) Okay, gang. Time to reveal our final grades. Um, You probably won't be surprised. I've been giving a lot of A's lately. We got a lot of good stuff. Um, But yeah, this will be, for me, an easy A. Howl's Moving Castle's an easy A. For me, it's a, it was an instant classic, and it's a classic song I can listen to anytime, like like a Leonard Skinner classic. Like I just throw it on. I am not objective about it anymore whatsoever. I just love it. So, Devin, this was your movie. I imagine something like that in that range may be going on. A minus, B plus. What what are you what are you landing on the, with this one? Uh, yeah, I mean, this is an A for me, absolutely. Um, this movie is like at once uh, cozy and familiar. And also, like, so, like, lean in, intriguing, and mysterious. Uh, it, it scratches every itch I have when I watch a movie, and I, I love it so much. Cozy. Cozy is a great, a great word for this one. I agree with you fully there. Okay, we got uh, two A's. James Pepe, where were you on this one? At first, I thought you might not have liked it because you said the first two times. But this time, the third time was the, was the magic trick for you, right? Yeah, you know, going into this movie, um, I knew that I that I liked it all right and that it was pretty good. Um, and at the beginning of the movie, I sort of had this idea that like um, the movie isn't like the whole isn't greater than the sum of its parts, right? Like this movie has a lot of good parts to it, but they don't necessarily come together as a whole really well. And I think, I think generally speaking, that's true of this movie. Like there are parts of it that don't, like, it's not a perfect movie. There are parts of it that don't sort of work. Turnip's head. Turnip head. Yeah, right. There's parts of it that just aren't, that don't quite hit it. Um, They don't quite hit the nail on the head. But I think despite that, um, it's at least on par, right? There, even if the even if the whole isn't greater than its parts, there at least I'm, I've lost this metaphor. Anyway, I'm giving it an A. <laughs> I wasn't expecting oh, wow. an A. You did it again. Yeah, <laughs> I wasn't expecting yeah. an A. That's Me so neither. funny, uh, Pepe. Truly, you have a dizzying intellect, my friend. <laughs> this is this is a good. This is a good. <laughs> This is why they pay me the big bucks out here. And that is, this. it is. Uh, yeah. yeah, you've earned your bonus this, this a, year. I'll see you at the Christmas party. This is party. a good movie. Yeah, this is a good movie. <laughs> it is, right? Um, it, looks, it, looks, uh, it looks beautiful. Just get lost in it. Um, but yeah, like it might take you a couple watches, but it'll, you'll get there eventually. I liked it Thank more you, and more as I watched it too. I've noticed that same thing. But Jim, this is your first watch of Howl's Moving Castle and yeah. you don't really like you're not really experienced with this kind of genre, but this one, this you sat there and you watched it and it it, it grabbed you. Yeah. The 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 magic of, of the moment in which I was in, I was swept away from the beginning, which I think was really important. And after that, it was continual immersion. I I to liken it to another movie that I very much enjoyed as a kid was Bed Knobs and Broomsticks. And it has oh, that man. same yeah, amount sure. of 
yeah, it has a Angela a Lansbury same of whims. Yes. Uh, rest in peace. Yeah, we just know? lost yeah. her this week when this was recorded. Yep. Yep. But what, but, what um, a great reference. This, yeah. Um, this movie carried that same kind of like whimsy, uh, whimsy, but a believable world. Uh, the characters were interesting. I was asking myself questions. And based on what I seen, because there was so much detail, and also based on what we've talked about, what you guys have talked about, because you talked on things that I didn't see or didn't see in that in that context. This movie is definitely a rewatchable movie. Yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. It was, sure. it was Jim. great. Jim, stop if you loved us. it now, Jesus. if you if you loved it now, wait till you watch it twenty more times. <laughs> That's all I've got to say. Yeah. So, so is this an appropriate time to tell you I gave it a C? Oh, <laughs> Just kidding. Oh, we did oh it. my god! We did it. It's yeah. happening. Yeah. Oh shit. Oh no. And now the podcast self destructs. Now that now our modem <laughs> is connecting to AOL. <laughs> it happened wow wow <laughs> our first yeah, people who, we, quiet audience, who audience down, during jumps. <laughs> we did it oh man the he first 4.0 so. score on the show now you really gotta talk to cat and see if she's seen this movie and if she would have been our perfect 4.0 spoiler for this movie good yeah. point oh, ask her yeah. about both Ask her about both. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> For my sake, more than anyone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Facebook yeah. Messenger all the way in Utah and say, "Watch Howl's Moving Castle now and give it a grade." Well, congratulations, oh, Devin, on submitting the first four film. And now, obviously, you bumped over. off of uh, you. If I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong. You just bumped off Cat's uh, movie. For the highest yeah, rated Roma, movie right? so far, yeah, Roma, Roma yeah, was I believe so, yeah. But uh, you know, all this Roma stuff. was our favorite. Yeah, let's hear is it. it. Let's hear yeah. it. What oh, is this yeah. better than everything? What what is what <laughs> yeah. is, is close? This... What, what's our what's our top five? Top ten? I don't know. What, what do you want to do? Are we? Is that is that what this means? <laughs> oh God, no! I think we are. All uh, right, yeah. Fine. Let's let's do that. I'll remind I'll remind everyone of our top no, our no. current. Don't wound me. Our current top five. Movies of all time that we've watched so far. And number who one, submitted them? Yes, number one, of course, my own Housewood Castle. God, we're well never going to the end of well this. <laughs> In second place, uh, Roma, as we said, at a 3.88, uh, submitted by Kat. Um, I believe in third place, we have a... Oh, no, sorry. Fourth and fifth will be a tie. Uh, third place is Silence of the Lambs, submitted by our own uh, Ben. And then tied for fourth and fifth place are Get Out, submitted by me, and Shawshank Redemption, submitted by Ben. So me and you, Ben, got the most uh, number one <laughs> I picks. I love that Shawshank's I don't have... Oh, Shawshank's fucking... oh, there. God that had it. to hurt. Come on, Pepe. Give Jim, me what I need. Shawshank's up there. Damn, man. <laughs> yeah, but, but we found out from last week that I have a lot of movies revolving around the 3.5 range yes so you do I sir. still made yes, the you dean's do. honor list yeah. so you did there well you done. go well done Can't yeah and i feel that you you and pepe five. have been more consistent than i have been in my submissions mine seem to hit or miss a lot more but because some of them are experiments i want to see how a sometimes i'm like how did this hold up and then b sometimes i'm like 
well, I want to see if these guys saw in it what I did, like with the the really low rated one, uh, Man from Earth, from uh, last series. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I I did make one Fucking mistake. Shush. Sorry, there was a uh, there was a bump <laughs> down. Uh, sorry, one season, uh, the season we watched Roma, there was another three point eight in there that I didn't uh, notice because it was uh -oh. so many uh -oh. higher. Uh, so actually, uh, let me reorder. Um, oh no, Hasman Castle. Be... Oh no. Hasman Castle number one, Roma number two, uh, tied for third and fourth, Twelve okay. Angry Men submitted by me, and oh, yeah. uh, Silence of the Lamb submitted by Ben, and then tied for four, like fifth and sixth would be Get Out and Shawshank Redemption. Kind okay. of, I have three in there. All right. So That's really, Shawshank is sixth. It's okay. Uh, yeah. It's yeah. tied. It's tied. <laughs> the ties, though, you know, oh, uh, and Princess Bride would be something. <laughs> that right. would be interesting. Some, some would pretty easy for you to. I, I like all those movies. Would it be um, easy for you to do submitter average grade, like to figure out who's, oh, who's down the road at one point? Actually, I've already oh, done that. Okay. Um, so our our four. Uh, GPA okay, here we go. It. Here we go. Uh, yeah, this yeah. This is not. I don't think this I have is the for last all movies two. submitted yeah. overall. I don't okay, think I have the last two series calculated in yet because I did this a little while ago. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. But at, at some point we had a Ben at a three point oh, uh, Pepe you at Sounds a three point one six. You're actually the highest, Pepe. Three point one six. Jim at a two point six three. Me at a three point oh nine, and Cat at a two point nine. Dude, don't tell Jim's mom. Yeah, Jim is the what? lowest. I know. Uh, yeah. dude. Hush your mouth. I Jim, know. I'll sign your all bad. Yeah. D's Jim, D's turn into B's pretty easy. Better, it's degrees. easier to if you no, Jim I mean if you does. take the pen, you gotta take the pen and turn the literally turn the B oh, oh, the D yeah, into yeah, a B. Right, right. Yeah. Don't go for the A. Yeah, yeah. You'll know. <laughs> Just <laughs> all right. Cool. Well, that's all that's fun to break those down. We know we love stats. We're tabletop gamers, so. Oh yeah. And it's all about the stats, baby. You wound me every okay. week. You wound me. Well, this you're always wounded, Pepe. But I always I uplift you by telling you that it's time to roll for the next episode. That's true. That's my favorite. One of my favorite. We want to find show. out. Yeah, we want to find out what we're watching next. Everyone does. It's time to roll for the next episode, um, where we let the dice decide our fate as to what we're watching for next show. Um, and it is down to two things, either the audience choice or uh, James Pepe's choice. Wow. Audience so we'll choice see what is it still is. In there. It is. Yeah. So there, there may yeah. still be time. Please do still submit because it could it could still be your movie. We don't lock that down until it's actually is revealed that the audience choice has been picked. So run out and do it. Um, so here we go. I'm going to do a random dice roll here online and um, give myself a little cue to fake it. Fake it till you make it. Okay, we're watching a number two on the dice and we're going to watch a movie called Porco Rosso. It came out in 1992. Directed by Hao Miyazaki, and uh, it's another Studio Ghibli movie, guys. And it's, oh, it's, I love it. It's, it's one of the 2D ones, too. None of this uh, 3D stuff. So, uh, it is streaming, of course, on HBO Max. So, please join us. Go out and watch Porco Rosso uh, on HBO Max uh, or wherever you have it. 
and join us for next week's show where we continue our what has turned into mainly Ghibli movies, but there's Yay, there's been a, an exception Ghibli. here. Yeah. All right. Is it Ghibli or Ghibli? Let's settle that once and for all. Or does, I it, just, matter? I just does it matter? Does it matter? I go I, I go I go back and forth and I don't even remember when it, it's like a, yeah, it's one of those things. I'll probably do it till uh till Rapture. Okay, so um wow. I can't wait to watch uh Porco Rosso. Excellent. <laughs> um, all right. It is time for another uplifting thing for Pepe because it's his favorite clip. It's time to do a little show business. Yay. How much do you know about show business, Mr. Valiant? Only there's no business like it. No business I know. Okay. Uh, oh, we got to do that movie someday. I love that movie. Uh, talk about a, a one-off uh, special film. Okay, a retraction. I have to start with a retraction. Um, again. The producer's yeah. twisting my arm. Yeah, I, well, there's always going to be mistakes, I guess. Last episode, I said I would tweet at Netflix so demanding. No, nah, it's okay. I forgive you. <laughs> uh, you can give. You can put a retraction in at the end. A retraction. <laughs> okay. uh, now let me do mine. Though. Last episode, I said I would tweet at Netflix demanding that they license the top ten uh, Korean animes for streaming, and the lie detector says that was a lie. Uh, frankly, I, oh, no. I figured life would interrupt our attempt to record tonight and thus give us an extra week for me to to get my act together on that and follow through. Uh, but nothing went wrong, and we're recording a week later on on schedule. So that in an, I'll take that miracle. Actually, I'll take that. But here we are. I didn't do it yet. I still intend to tweet at them, um, and I will follow up with a subsequent update in an, in another episode, um, pr probably next episode. So next time, baby, we're punting. Um, but for that, I would like to sincerely apologize and ask that you bear with us as we strive to be better. Uh, Fanny Mills, you can write to me. You can write to us. But uh, it's my name in the email, ben at redheadmedia.com. And we will respond on the show. Let us know how we're doing. Did you, did I get something wrong? Did you arrive at the same conclusions as James Pepe and therefore discover objective you'd be truth? Right. Yep. That's right. What segment of the show is your favorite? And where are you listening from? Uh, write us, and we may choose your email to read and respond to on the show. We got a lot of downloads from Ireland this week, so uh, wow. I'll just spare you nice. the yeah, I'll spare you the bad Irish accent and stuff, since you'll probably judge me harshly on it <laughs> if you're listening in Ireland. And uh, thanks for listening. Um, and whatever we're doing, yeah, write us. Let us know where you're where you're listening from and why and. What you like, what you don't like, all that stuff. And cheers. I think they say that over there, right? Cheers. Probably got that wrong. Something like that. Uh, yeah. Please don't give us one star. <laughs> Aaron go bra, et cetera. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I, all right. I hope some of those downloads came from the Try Guys. That would be freaking cool. Except for that one. Oh, what? Oh, the Try Guys? Uh, are, was there a bad one? You guys didn't hear about that? One of the Try Guys is out. No. They're down to three. No. Yeah. Uh -oh. he, uh, Are they by guys his... then? I don't want to get too into it, but he cheated <laughs> on his life with one of the crew, one of their like crew members, and he's, uh, he's out. It's down to three. Ouch. Is he the handsome Asian? And then there were three. No, of course not. He could never do anything wrong. Eugene is perfect. Oh, okay. It's turned into a Telemundo version of like uh, um, Willy Wonka. <laughs> and then there were two. 
exactly. Interesting. Crying for some reason. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, guys. We have done it. Let's wrap the show up. I think that we're ready to close this thing right. out. And yeah. Oh wait, Who's my that? door's not. My door's that way. Actually, what? How did I get that? <laughs> Just one more thing. Looked the wrong way in my own house. <laughs> that's uh, that. That's Lieutenant Columbo. Um, and he is here to say we have time for just one more thing. The segment of the show. Let me turn the title right. The segment of the show where we discuss a little something that each co-host brings from kind of outside the topic of the show they want to share, what they've been up to, something they've been watching, reading, listening to, etc. And so for me, um, I I want to relate it to the show. I think I have um this will probably make a sound. I, I think I have um, Studio Ghibli's next project. Um, and I, I have this Kindle Paperwhite that I ordered. It was like 40. I don't know if it still is, but it was like 40% off this week for one of Amazon's things. And so I've been reading a ton, which has been great in and of itself. But this this series called The Vine Witch would be such a cool uh, Studio Ghibli project, I think. And I think that they should do it. I have all these ideas, right? I'm like Patton Oswald now where I get weight doing to it. I, I think what they should do <laughs> is do it episodic. And I think they should cast Uma Thurman in the title role. So I'll put that out there into the universe and uh, hopefully someone picks this up. It's a series of books. It's the Vine Witch. It's, it's, it has a really cool opening. It just opens up on this pond in uh, wine country in France. And you're following along with this little frog as it's doing its thing. And eventually it does something that triggers the end of what had been a curse. And it becomes this uh, lady, this this vine witch comes out of what she had been cursed and for years living as a frog comes back to her life destroyed and all this stuff and chaos. It's such a wonderful opening. And it's one of these like really well realized worlds and that you just know you love it from about, you know, page three. You're like, no, you're in. And um, and it's about wine country, which is cool because we we happen to live in the wine country here. And so it's oh, easy yeah. for me. It's evocative for me. And it reminds me of a setting that would, could be actually like based on how it looks around here and stuff. So, um, yeah, it's called The Vine Witch. So Studio Ghibli people do it or somebody adapt this thing. This is this is ripe for adapting. Uh, so that's my just one more Perfect. thing. And also Kindle Paperwhite is just I've been reading like crazy. Oh, Pepe. I am up on your, for your Just One More Thing last week, I am fully up to date on, uh, I don't want to get the title wrong. Oh, shoot. I've clicked off of it. What What is it called again? Oh, yeah. A Night, a night in, in the Lonesome, Lonesome October. A Night in the Lonesome October. I've been reading that yeah, yeah. on my Kindle Paperwhite as well. I Are loaded you your PDF it? into there. Oh, yeah. It's fantastic. I love it. So yeah, we're on the what, 14th or 15th now. Yeah. It's like this. Yeah. It's like a advent calendar for the month of October leading up to Halloween. Yeah. Yeah. Featuring lots of fun monsters. So if you go out and get that, uh, read it. Uh, it's a fun thing. You can catch up and read along. You read a, a chapter a day. So that's been a fun thing. Chapter a day. Chapter a day. Devin, what have you got for us this week? Uh, nothing super concrete or new necessarily. I've been just kind of. Uh, going along with the same old things, but uh, I've been playing World of Warcraft. The Wrath of the Lich King classic expansion just came out. Uh, I've been handheld? That. Uh, yeah, a little bit handheld on my Steam Deck, yes. And uh, yeah, that's been great. I'm still watching um, 
the Sandman. Still enjoying that a lot. Keep getting surprised by the different actors who are showing up in that show. The cast is ridiculous. Uh, I wish Pat Nozzle so wasn't in it. I wish so much that Pat Nozzle wasn't in it. I kind of hate him, but wait, he's in other it. Other than that, yeah, he's the crow. Pat Nozzle's the, the crow. Yeah, and I, oh, I, oh, the I voice don't the like crow. him as a voice actor. I like him as a live action actor. I hate his voice. Yeah. Uh, it's overused. Yeah. He's in everything. I, I every yeah. time I hear it, I'm like, that's Pat Oswalt. I it immediately pulls me out of the show. But uh, other than Fair that, enough. I, I love. Uh, I had to forgive that too, because I I agree yeah. with you. Yeah, another does, Oswald, does uh, the the actress who played Clara Oswald, Oswald in uh, Doctor Who is in it as um, Constantine. Uh, she's yes, incredible. She is. Um, yes, she is. Yeah. Every episode, there's like a new side character played by like an actor I really like. So it's it's been great to watch. Uh, with the exception it's so great. Pat Nuzzle. Yep. Um, Love that but yeah, that, Glad I, you're I, enjoying I finished, it. Uh, I finished The Resort a while ago. That show I recommended on another One More Thing. That was, that oh, was great. Yeah. I, I still highly recommend that. Um, What's that streaming on again? Peacock. Okay. I rant about too many streaming services that a show that good could get hidden on something like Peacock. Um, yep. House of the Dragons continues to be amazing. Uh, everyone should watch it. And yeah, that's that's what I've been doing. Peacock, I think Peacock always says that also has that show Reboot, but maybe it's Hulu. But Reboot's been a funny one that was just like, I don't think, I don't hear anything about it, but it's been pretty damn funny. About rebooting an old show with a new writer. It's like The Office, but rebooting an old show or something, I guess, maybe. Oh, th there's a similar show. There's a show called Episodes. It's kind of like that. It's about taking a British show and making it American. Uh, and it has, I wonder if uh, they adapted uh, it. Yeah, it has um uh what's his name? Oh my god, Joey from Friends. I think that's that actor's name. Oh, uh, yeah. that is about... it has it has Matt LeBlanc okay. playing himself, and he's like the problematic yeah. American actor who's uh playing the lead role he in this be. British show that's been <laughs> turned into an American show. Yeah. It's very good episode. It's a little older, but it's a great show. Cool, thanks. Yeah, I'll check that one out as well. All right. Uh and James Pepe. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was going to remind people of A Night in the Lonesome October, but Ben did that for me. Thank you. Did you catch um, up? You said you were behind the other day. I'm not caught up yet, but I'm I'm hot on the heels here. Um, okay, cool. I, yeah, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to catch up here pretty soon. I, I can't wait to, to reread The Adventures of Snuff, <laughs> which is such a good name for a dog. Um, I will say the creatures that I all have good names. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what, what's the cat's name? Um, oh, you put me on the other, spot. I, I don't. Uh, I don't want to do it. Ah, shit. I'll I want to do it gray, justice, uh, and gray, I don't remember. Gray, gray Malkin, Gray Malkin, or something like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Anyway, I watched Jim's recommendation of um, the philosophy thing that he recommended. Um, oh, nice. Oh, nice. wonderful. Uh, something. Yeah, something great. In the age of yeah, those content. sounded great. Yeah, that was fun. It was a good. It was a good. Listen. Check out last. Um, yeah, check out last shows. Just one more thing. Jim had two two YouTube channels and two specific videos. Yeah, and I want to recommend a YouTube channel that I've been watching um, recently called Secret Base. And they, so I'm not. I'm like not a big sports guy, but these guys do um, little like short sports documentaries. Um, okay. But what really caught my eye about it was they have a series of videos called Chart uh, Chart Party, where basically the whole video is like a data visualization project, I guess, and they do it incredibly beautifully. 
Um, that is they, beautiful. And they do topics like, so like one of the topics that I watched was um, the search for the saddest punt in the world. <laughs> nice. So they try to, they try to like mathematically determine the worst punt in the NFL history. <laughs> I feel like I've watched one of these. Did you post one of these or a couple of these to I've our posted Discord? A, I posted a couple, yeah. But the one, the yeah, one I've that really it. sold me, the one that really sold me and made me subscribe to the channel was the one that I posted recently, which is called, um, shoot. I want to get the name right. It's called Fighting in the Age of Loneliness. Yeah. And if you don't care anything at all about MMA or UFC, you should still watch this. Uh, this it's a two hour documentary that they made. Um, you should still watch this flies because by. the what's that? I'm not. I'm not. I said flies by. I'm not kidding. It, oh, I watched yeah, the yeah. other one and it did. It was really interesting. And it, I think what you're saying also applies to the other video I saw. That even if you're not into the sport, it's absolutely fascinating what they discuss yeah. and talk about. Like the other one, the other one that I watched that was shorter was like it was called something like "What if Barry Bonds never went, to, never used a bat in when he played baseball." And they talked about how if Barry Bonds never brought a bat to, with him to the plate, he would have still been one of the best baseball players ever, <laughs> which is wild. Just statistically so he, or? Yeah, yeah. Like people were so scared of him that if he had yeah, gone to right, the plate yeah. without a bat, true. he would have been still one of the best baseball players to have ever played. So, but anyway, I booed so, many uh, times that pitchers wouldn't pitch to him. It was a tradition in San Francisco yeah. for a long time. Yeah, right. Yeah, he, the, the love-hate relationship with Barry Bonds in San Francisco. So anyway, fighting in the age of loneliness is a really interesting No, no, I mean, you boo, you boo the pitcher for not wanting to, for like chickening out. And oh, yeah, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. But he is controversial. Yeah, sure. I'll give you that. Yeah. Asterix. <laughs> so what, an asterisk what I found there. most... Uh, what I found most interesting about this documentary, Fighting in the Age of Loneliness, was that it it tracks the sort of like rise and fall of the, it gives you like the history of where MMA kind of came from, which is fascinating in its own right. But it tracks the sort of rise and fall of the interest in MMA with basically like what is going on in the world at the time. And when you see those two things put side by side, you're like, oh, this makes perfect sense. So like, if you ever wondered like, what was the climate that produced the book what was the like cultural climate that produced the book Fight Club? This documentary will tell you exactly that, and it's it's fascinating. Um, and so I so I'll recommend the 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 YouTube channel is called Secret Base. They have a lot of they have a lot of like sports videos, um, but I would recommend specifically any video that says Chart Party in the title. Um, okay. Anyone that has a title that you find interesting, and specifically this one called Fighting in the Age of Loneliness, and they have a supercut. It's it's got a, it's got one and a half million views. It's a two hour video. So yeah, yeah. I like I said, I ended up I ended up watching the first one you posted, watching the whole thing, and I didn't think I thought oh, I'll check yeah. it out, but it was so fascinating, it really drew me in. Um, have you ever seen the the subreddit Data is Beautiful? Are you familiar with that at all, Pepe? No, I'm actually I'm not like a Reddit. I know I'm like the only one who doesn't do it, but I don't use Reddit. No, I bet. I, 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 yeah, I, a few years ago, I had used it for a while and I remember that being like a subreddit, but, uh, I am no longer a, a Reddit user. Um, for one thing, it's just like one of those addictive scrolling things. 
I just can't. I don't have the time for that shit anymore. But yeah, there was a subreddit called Data is Beautiful, I remember, and they and I bet that that is they have a lot of fans in that in that subreddit because um it's just about pushing data around in interesting ways. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so but when you take a look at it, it's got a very they have a very specific aesthetic and if you it's it's very appealing at least to my eyes and um it's fun to watch and even if you don't even if you're not like actively watching it, you can have it on in the background and the, and just listen to it. Like you can just turn it into a podcast or something. Until they put that beautiful chart up that you want to look at. Yeah, there's Charlie. You want to look at <laughs> Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks for sharing that as well. And uh, Jim Scott, what do you got for us this week? Yeah, I got a couple of things, but uh, just real quick to Pepe, that does sound interesting. Um, I used to watch MMA. I did too. Yeah. Um, you know, a while back when it was fun and my friend would get basically get all the pay-per-view events and yeah. we just had to bring the beer, you know what I mean? Right. And that yeah. was the thing that, that was your ticket in. And uh, I just remember a lot of good times, but I'm interested. The fact that that video couples it with loneliness, right? Yeah. Which is a real, you know, societal thing that has been happening. Like, you know, like in the times that we live in, actually, it would make it very interesting. Um, so I got two things uh, once again, and th- these are both interpretations of media and or content. So I'll just take it away. The first one, um, these are both YouTube channels. Excuse me. I don't know if I said that or not. The first one is called Like Stories of Old. And uh, just a short description so I don't get too wordy is, uh, and this is from his this um, Patreon is, uh, my name is Tom and I make video essays that explore the boundary between media analysis and personal development in an empathic, emotionally resonant way. Um, I really enjoy this YouTube channel, this creator. Um, His two most recent videos are when a a movie trailer is better than the movie and okay, the other cool, cool. Uh, uh, episode that he has is life is not a hero's journey. So the cool. way this guy uh, does his video essays is very evocative. Um, he explains himself well. Uh, he's definitely, um, uh, uh, he knows his way around words. And but he punctuates the points that he makes with examples from movies and showing movie clips, and so it is evocative. Um, yeah. and his subjects are very, very interesting. The second YouTube channel that I will recommend is from um, a young New Zealander and it's called Hello Future Me. And um, just going off of his short description, is uh, I talk fiction, writing, world building, and theme. Um, themes is really important in his channel. Uh, writing is uh, really important in his channel. I think definitely you you could get a lot out of it, Ben. You know um, his take on writing, but his most two of his most popular videos. The first one is called the complex problems with mental illness in fiction. <laughs> I and have that video queued up. It was, I haven't watched it yet. 
Yeah. That came up yeah, on my feed so net, well, like uh, recommended. Yeah, it's so well researched. I think at the time he did the video, um, he was a counselor. I don't know if he still is now. It was this video was made after the movie Split came out, which uh, deals with mental health issues. Right. It's a very impassioned, it's a very passionate and well-evidenced video that he makes. Highly suggest that one. And then the second one that actually ties into what we talked about with the Ghibli films is hard world building and soft world building. A study okay. of studio a study of studio Ghibli. So that one is very interesting. And um, it cues in on some of the things that we talked about, actually, um, in our discussion of, of the uh, anime tonight. So highly recommend. Wow, nice topical stuff. Yeah, I was I'm looking through my list. I have such a long playlist. I know that it, that it's in this list somewhere. I'm not going to burn a bunch of time. looking. Nice. Up. But it, it, that came up in my it literally came up in my suggested videos. Um, so I'll, I'll have to check that out. Yeah. And I always get stuck. The more opinions and ways to techniques people have and tricks and approaches to writing, I want to hear about all of them. Yes. You know, because you can pull stuff, you can be inspired by stuff. You never know where that spark is going to come from to get you to that next step or whatever. So, yeah, that's wonderful stuff. So, thank you all for those, another group of excellent just one more things. Uh, That does actually bring us to the end of the show. I think I'll miss you most of all. Probably for a D&D game or something. Dorothy's here. <laughs> no, it's just, uh, I was like, why is that there? Uh, Dorothy's letting us know it's time to say goodbye. Um, so I'm not crying. No, I'm not, but uh, you are. You are crying. Let me tell you what you're doing. You're crying. Uh, <laughs> let's start with, let's start with Devin Schwartz. <laughs> Uh, I have been Devin Schwartz. You can find me at Devin Schwartz one on Twitter and uh, rest in peace to Robbie Coltrane who passed away today. Uh, best known as Hagrid. Whoa. The Harry Potter films. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh man. Ah, geez. Only 72. Yeah, years totally. Wow. Yeah. Iconic, iconic character. Wow. That's, that's a shame. Yeah, definitely. RIP. All right. James Pepe. I have been and still am James Pepe and uh, (laughs) laughing at my own jokes as usual. Um, Thanks for coming out and watching or listening and uh, hope to see you back next week when we were watching Porco Rosso. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, exactly. And gentlemen, Jim Scott. Yeah, I'm Jim and, uh, Farewell, general listeners and friends. Take care. Indeed. And this has been I'll Look at Yours If You Look at Mine. And now that you've looked at ours, we hope to look at yours soon. If you enjoy the show, be sure to smash that like button, comment, subscribe, ring the bell, give us a five-star review, dot your I's, cross your T's, sign here, initial here, and don't forget to tell your friends. And today's parting sentiment May all our bacon sizzle over the fire provided by a lovable fire demon voiced by none other than Billy Crystal, who turns 137 on Halloween.
And be sure to watch Pork Goroso 1992, directed by Hal Miyazaki and done released by Studio Ghibli, streaming on HBO Max for next week's show. Until next time, keep on looking.